somehow it, it really improved my voice. Here. Use the use the shore microphone here. How does the um, Bridge Over Troubled Water start? Do you know the lyrics? Do you know the... Microphone capturing the uh, room ambiance. My voice. Right. The ambiance of my voice. Okay. And the queen wow. stands above her and defies her by his trade, and he carries a reminder of every glove that laid him down, all cuts until he cried out. In his anger and his shame, I am leaving, I am leaving, but the fighter still remains. La 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 screwed everybody up when they went from 432 to 440. So they, how did they change, they changed all the Beatles music to 440, right? That's from what I understand? I believe, unless there are certain albums that were dedicated to a certain frequency, but they, they made 440 the standard back in, I think the Rockefeller, Rockefeller Foundation did back in the 40s. They made 440 the, uh, Standard tuning, and it's all chaos. The Rockefeller Foundation. The Rockefeller. I have to Google it. No, you Google it. Google is your friends. 
Ha 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 
Inside, I was gonna. Can you give those to the uh, turkeys and peacock? kind of forget what's uh, podcasting. I think it was the, yeah, it's Tim O'Brien. Do, 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 the government should just run the army and keep the borders safe and closed and then get out of everyone's way. Right. And, and however that happens, it's fine. Even if it involves lying, because that's, that's a good result philosophically to those folks. And, and, and Democrats have to understand how to make a good argument for why government can be a positive force in people's lives. Good for the economy, good for every individual, good for civic liberty. Um, and I don't, I don't think the Dems have done a good job messaging around that enough and campaigning on it. I, I agree. First of all, bonus points for using the word defenestrate. Great word. Um, <laughs> totally appropriate in this context. I'm going to get more multi-syllabic words in this conversation before we're done. Please. I like them. Um, so, yes. What I'm getting at, though, is that by giving the Republican Party a pass. For example, uh, the fact that um, bills in the House passed to um, protect, I can't even believe I have to say this, to protect the right to access contraception without government interference, to protect same-sex marriage, to protect interracial marriage, to um, make sure that there are no Nazis in our army or law enforcement, our bedroom. that all of those things that passed in the House. No, no. All of those things were passed with 100% of Democratic support, and depending on the issue, zero Republicans or a handful of Republicans. So again, that disadvantages the Democrats because it makes it seem like, you know, everybody's doing great stuff. Um, and then Republicans don't get called on their rhetoric and you know, it seems like these ridiculous, uh, quote unquote, um, woke issues. I hate that word. Woke means kind, basically, <laughs> kind and open-minded. Um, so the but demo- again, who turned who turned the term woke into uh, into um, 
you know, a, a program, you know, we'll turn it into a flag. You know, but like, they, again, the Republicans took it. We demonize being informed. No, that's what I'm saying. And, and I think, yeah. it, I agree, Republicans are experts at co-opting language. Uh, no doubt about it. But unfortunately, and the Democrats do this sometimes, so like, no, no Democrat ever should have conceded pro-life, ever. Um, but the media do too. It, it's pro-life versus anti-choice. Uh, versus pro-choice, when it should be pro-choice and anti-choice or whatever. So, um, and you hit on it earlier too. So we have the messaging issue. Uh, we have this, uh, the way it's presented as uh, the, the Republicans are getting just as much accomplished in, in Congress as, as the Dems, which is not true. Uh, and then the language issue, uh, which the Republicans are just better at. And. I want to connect that to what you said earlier. Stealing which is credit. I think one of the biggest Where credit problems isn't have, due. As the Republicans have become more monolithic and more narrow, uh, the Republicans, as you said, have had to become a bigger tent, which is harder. But don't you think part of that is because the Republicans have finally, it, maybe it's not true yet, but in the next election cycle or two, it will be true that the Democrats don't need a majority anymore because they've rigged the system so wildly in their favor. Well, I mean, we know that's going on already um, uh, through gerrymandering and, and through, I think, you know, um, the kind of like parliamentary maneuvers that the Mitch McConnells of the world engage in. And, and, and you know, the... the Congress is set up by virtue of the structure of the Senate and the House, um, that essentially you can create strategic pluralities that exist at the legislative level, even though they're not a reflection of popular will. That's where we are right now. That's why you don't get gun legislation, even though gun violence is a scourge. And, and, and I think this, this push to decentralize decision-making and lawmaking in the name of returning power to the state is, is really, again, about using the state as laboratory, I think, for an assault on democracy, actually. Yeah. Not, not, to, not to make, you know, not to make people, quote, unquote, freer. Oh, absolutely not. And, and that's another structural I mean, we've known about it for a long time, but I don't think we've understood until the last five years just how grotesquely unfair uh, the filibuster is and the Electoral College is. Because it hadn't hit a crisis before we paid attention. I think, I think you and I might have been paying attention. I think there were people that saw this coming yes. and warned about it. But, you know, people did not think about this with enough intensity and a sense of purpose until it was too late. And, and, and now we're living with it. I, mean, I, I think we're in the, actually the early stages of, 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 a, of, a complete, of complete upheaval in how American democracy and, and, and legislation work. And it's a, and I know a happy podcast. <laughs> It'll get happier. Just give it a couple <laughs> minutes. It's going to get happier. You and I got on Not right now. Make everybody happy. And you know what, Tim, I was thinking about this. I don't even know why. Like, for example, a few days ago, I woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning wondering how it would unfold if they decided to indict Donald. <laughs> like, this is what we have to think about now. But um, I was thinking about the fact that 
uh, not only that when asked the question, will you concede the election if you lose, but the fact that it had the question was even asked in the first place. He hasn't even conceded now until this very moment. just shows us how far we've fallen. And if you're going to ask that question, Impossibly low standards. Why aren't you taking steps well before you ask that question to make sure you can? Um, uh, uh, you know, we, the, the U.S. system was not prepared for somebody like Donald Trump. Um, a pathological liar who had no hesitation about using powerful institutions to achieve small, self-serving goals. But essentially, essentially, as you well know, you know, you can understand almost everything Donald does which you let either self-aggrandizement or self-preservation. It's very rarely any other two things. It's not complex. And and if that's not in front of him, that, that's what animates him when he gets activated. The rest of the time, he's munching on a cheeseburger watching sports and Crime. doesn't read and doesn't care about anything else. And, and, Crime and, turned him on. And I think he realized on the job, I don't think he knew coming into the White House, presidency allows the kind of latitude it does. Um, Just the kind and, of latitude and, he loves. And he discovered <laughs> that. And then, when, and then after getting, you know, impeached and, and voted out of office, he discovered it was also a way to fundraise and to make money. And again, he learned it make on the job. lots of money. And, and, and the really dark part of this whole tale is... Criminal genius. He had bad enough instincts and motive coming into the White House, and then he learned in the White House that the power of the presidency allowed him to be even worse and to be insulated from the consequences of his own actions. As you also know, that's one of the most astounding things about his entire life is he's had these concentric rings of insulation. First, he was born into a privileged family, and so his father's wealth and influence protected him. From, from the consequences of those actions when he was younger. And then he, and then he became the host of a reality TV show. And he got the power of celebrity, which he always recognized. You, know, you can grab them by the who, what's it? You know, yeah. they'll let you do that if you're a star. Yeah. And, and then the presidency. And each one of these things, you know, prevented him from learning from his own grotesque mistakes throughout his life. The rest of us have to do that if we want to mature and become adults. He's been seven years old. He's been a rich kid for his entire life. And and I would put it in this, these terms. Uh, he's been institutionalized his entire life. Like, when has this guy ever had to li- literally support himself? Never. Never. <clears throat> even, um, even when he drove, you know, his, his, his own business empire holding into bankruptcy, his father bailed him out, his siblings bailed him out. That's right. Um, the banks let him off the hook. Exactly. And, you know, I, Tim, I've wanted to ask you this question for a really long time. Um, one of the... The gangs didn't fuck with him because he's even worse than they are. kind of um, <laughs> pulled me up. It really shocked me. Because, again, I, I never had to think about it in these terms. Was the patterns that persisted throughout his life. And we talked about it... And those were patterns sort of you recognize through the writing of the book? Yeah, because I was looking at my family as, as a system, um, and then looking at, at 
you know, Donald's relationship with the media as a system and then his relationship with banks as a system and then with the Republican Party. So, and in every instance, there was always somebody there to enable him, use him. I, I mean, it... Help him avoid culpability. Yes, exactly. Accountability, exactly. And you said about concentric circles exactly they've grown larger as the power in uh, that accrues to be in that particular circle grows larger as the reach grows larger as the ability to get, get away with things get grows larger and that was probably the most dangerous thing about the first impeachment uh, i think the, the, the get away with anything. ridiculous senator susan collins said that, you know, of course he'll learn his lesson because it's really, being impeached is really bad. Well, being impeached with no consequences, what the fuck does he care? It's just... Because it's you don't learn lessons if you don't think you have any lessons to learn. Exactly. And, so, and so, how do you make sense of it? Because I, I identify the pattern. I still can't make sense of them, though, because it's quite disgusting. That's true. I'm um, of why, why people and institutions acquiesce. From Fred on down. I mean... You know, I mean, I think there's different factors. Like, we, we could probably sit around trading war stories together for hours on how each, and you know, why did, you know, you know, why did Fred defer to Donald so thoroughly and, and vilify your father and, and, and terrorize his daughter and leave his wife isolated home alone? And out of that whole maelstrom, Donald emerges as the one he decides to be the vessel for his own dreams and, and sort of protection financially because of it. And, you know, Roy Cohn recognizes there's something in this guy. And, and then Steve Bannon and Roger Stone. And, um, you know, I, I think all of those people have different views into their own needs and, and human frailty, and they thought they could take advantage of them. The one time I really got worried about why reputable institutions and smart people sort of succumbed to him was the Mueller investigation. Because the, the sort of tender-footedness Mueller had around the prospect going down a road that could lead to a prosecution, really presenting a, you know, a really airtight um, um, series of charges against him. Uh, and... and, and and I think looking at his finances, Mueller chose not, which is the main motivating force for him outside of his own ego and his unhinged behavior. You know, media attention and greed are huge things for him. And, and we still don't know the monetary reasons for why he embraced Putin, but they're financial. You know, it's not just that he's fascinated with dictators. He saw, he saw Putin as a cash register. And that problem hasn't been solved, and Mueller just goes to, I'm going to let the U.S. attorney look at that. I'm not going to look at that because this is the president's case. And so looking at, at Trump in terms of what's around him, what people presume, where he comes from and what he's about, as opposed to what his actions really tell you. People just don't accept his actions at face value. And they're, and they're, they're just all undeniable indicators of who he is and what he does. Yeah, and that's a, that's another thing that's mystifying. I, anybody else who is a serial criminal, make every crime they commit makes it worse and makes them uh, it makes it more urgent that we arrest them or whatever. And with Donald, it's like, oh well, he did this terrible thing, but he did this other terrible thing, so we're gonna forget about the first terrible thing. And
it's just, we're distracted by the new so terrible thing. Them, but, you know, there's thousands of them, so you forget right. the first 950, because thinking about the most recent 15 is intense enough. And, and, um, and I don't think, I don't think traditional institutions know what to do with them. I don't think, I think it's hard for the legacy media operating these sort of rules around, you know, counterbalance objective reporting. It's easy for me because I'm a columnist. I can just say, I think this is what it is. And I think law enforcement giving an extra deference because he's the president when, when he's clearly a dangerous and lawless operator. Um, it's just, it, 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 it's gone on too long. People have woken up too late. I think, you know, Liz Cheney is a great example of this. I think she's a model for the right now. I, I think, yeah. you know, I don't agree with her. Um, a lot of it's all probably else? all of them. Uh, but I think she's a great public servant and a really honorable person. But I wish she had come to this eight years ago. And and and, and others like her. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, listen, uh, I think she's about the only one. you are in it to achieve your own policy ends, clearly. Which means uh, we really have to lock up the, the 200 Republicans. Because they were getting their Muslim ban, and they were getting uh, the, um, the tax cuts for rich people, and... You know, they were getting the Voting Rights Act essentially gutted and thrown away and et cetera, et cetera. So I, I'm very grateful that uh, Representative Cheney, Representative Cheney and Kinziger uh, had a line that could be crossed. Um, but, you know, part of the problem is that it took way too long for his his behavior to get egregious enough for them. And that's what worries me about this incredibly fraught moment for it. Um, let's say, the, 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 sorry. No, no. Uh, I, was, I was just um, going to say, you can put it, uh, you can go where you were going to go, you can put it in the context of this, whatever you want to do. But I'm just thinking, let's say Donald, Donald doesn't get a healthy people, that's the worst thing that could happen. But if he does, and only him and his work, you know, the Kraken who get uh, indicted or what have you. The rest of the party gets off the hook. That's a lesson for the Tom Cottons and the Josh Hollies and the Ted Cruz's and the Ron DeSantis's. And if they ever find anybody who's smart with charisma, we are in serious jeopardy. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I um, remember in like 2015 and 2016 talking with some friends. And you know, I think I think it can be facile sometimes to compare our current situation to to Nazism, but we also have to recognize that there are parallels. And and Ellen Bullock wrote this great biography of Hitler. I think entirely just on documents he got from he was a British historian, and it was one of the first sort of authoritative biography of Hitler. And I remember reading that book, and um, there's a chapter in there about the 1933 election. And, and Hitler's rise to power. And German industrialists didn't want socialists and communists to take over the workforce on their shop floors. So it was a very useful alliance for them to um, link up and empower these cartoonish brown shirts who basically made sure that, that the left kept, kept out of the shop room floor. And, and then they thought they could control 
that group leader, Hitler, because they were all these cartoonish guys who liked to march. And the final line in that chapter, when, when, when Bullock is talking about that alliance, is that the industrialists and the German conservative elite were about to learn what it meant to ride the back of the tiger. And, and, I, and, I, and I quoted that to people in 2015 and 2016. I said, people are about to learn what it means to ride the back of a tiger. And, and, and it has played out in, you know, the, the Republicans and the conservatives and, and who, who saw Trump as, as, a, as a tool for getting a, a, a tax cut and a conservative court thought it would end there without damage and proven wildly wrong. Yeah, it's like that cartoon, you know, voting for the leopard eating your face party because it, they tell it like it is, you know. <laughs> okay, like if, if that's what? if you just want somebody to be straightforwardly telling you they're going to eat your face off, and, you know, and while you're thing. singing Kumbaya. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're getting back to Kumbaya, and I. This is something that's driven me crazy, and. I, I, I make it a policy. I mean, I don't think I've done this 100% of the time because, you know, I'm human. But I, I rarely uh, criticize the Democrats on policy because my, my answer to anybody who thinks I should is imagine where we would be right now if January 6th succeeded or, you know, by some horror... Biden had lost, or it had been so close that they were able to, uh, you know, pull a, a 2000 Bush v. Gore. Imagine. So, and also, what Biden inherited is amazing. The, the, the horrors that he inherited and had to deal with and untangle. So, no, I'm not, I am not going to uh, criticize the Dems on policy. However, because I believe, I, I know this. Yeah. It's become a truism, but it's true. 2022 is the most significant election of our You're the only we party right now, the, basically. The other one is fucking terrorist organization. If we lose in 2022, Sabotage. I think it's over, right? Because it will be the obstacles to winning in 2024 will become potentially insurmountable. So I think it's fair to criticize the Democrats if we think they're not fighting hard enough. And I, I don't mean to sound simplistic, but I actually think that's people thought donald was fighting for them even though of course he wasn't democrats are like democratic policies really are good for people i think we just want obvious signs that they're doing the fighting even if they don't and accomplish and what they want to own and explain their successes you know the, the gdp has grown faster under democratic administrations than republican administrations Democratic management of the economy has been better for people than Republicans, but it is commonly believed by a lot of voters that Republicans are better stewards of the economy. Um, uh, and and that's in the data. That's not even ideologically, it's not an ideologically drawn observation. It's, it's a fact pattern. Um, but I think, I think, I think the Dems have a hard time, have a hard time convincing people that effective, efficient, um, sophisticated governance is good for everybody when it's when it's orchestrated and used properly, and that and that um, in this era when a big part of the population has had to move out of industrial jobs and either can't inhabit service jobs or can't get trained to get there, um, 
people feel displaced and neither party i think for a couple of decades now has really provided good answers to the plight of those people working americans who've been displaced but i think the democrats have tried to provide better answers um the, the problem is you've got a distressed a, a big swath of the population that's distressed another pop, part of the population that's you know racist and 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 the republicans have figured out how to tell the, both the stressed population that they're on their side yeah i don't think we have the luxury of telling people how sophisticated approaches to government work and we just don't um i think well we have to get people to the voting booth we do and i think that that um i get i think the most basic thing i want just just as a starting point, is for Democrats to recognize their enemy and to understand that the Republican Party is not a party that you want to work with anymore. Even if it were possible, why would you want to work with these people who, as you know, just voted against giving health care to veterans who have cancer because there were burdens that were serving our country? Exactly. So um, I think part of it is just like distinguishing themselves. And then, like you said, keeping it really simple. There are charts that just show you how many jobs Democrats, Democratic presidents have, have created versus Republican presidents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I think you're absolutely right about that. You know, it is about just getting, getting the news out there. Um, and, and engaging I, with voters where they live. Exactly. Yes. Fight. Meeting people where they are is incredibly important. I have two questions for you. Uh, the first one is, um, what do you think is the best? We didn't actually really talk about the January sixth committee hearings that much, but hopefully, the, hopefully you'll you'll join us for our live stream of the next one because I know there will be more, and it's actually a really cool way to watch. Uh, yeah um and you know we get to kind of comment in real time and analyze during and after so um it just kind of helps process it in, in, in real time because as you know it's, it's pretty gobsmacking on occasion um but the hearings aside what do you think that is the best case scenario vis-a-vis donald's um relationship with the republican party and whether or not he's going to run uh i mean the best case scenario for us you know, for the pro-democracy pro people. Well, I, mean, I, think, I, um, I think we've started to see the impact of the January 6th committee hearing on voters, in addition to, I think, um, I think the, the Dobbs ruling and, and, the, and the guns ruling were big motivating factors for people realizing that their civil liberties and, 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 and reproductive rights were at risk in a way that they hadn't fully You've contemplated. Taken away. What are you and, about? and I think independents are turning away from 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 that part of the party. Um, there's just this wild card of what's happening with the economy and inflation. There's a good chance it could worsen. We go into a recession that's just going to be bad for those occupying office right now. So I think, I think some of this isn't in people's control. So a best case scenario is that we don't go into a recession and we come out of that recession, job growth continues and the economy perks up again and people focus on making sure their rights are getting stripped from them by this court and, and this party. 
I think the best case scenario is we'll uh, expel all these motherfuckers and bar them from office in future. Maybe awesome. Wouldn't it call the Doge? D O J. 202-514-2000. Well, I, I mean, if people are only focusing on inflation and high gas prices, I don't think anybody could overcome that. And um, true. given everything, I, I have very specific uh, feelings about that issue. Um, but I, I think it's a little too soon to talk about that. Uh, you know, we it, that is something that we need. It could to, really change. Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, yeah. things could even change between now and November. It's not that far away, especially those of us who were still living right in COVID on. time, when a month feels like Come a day on, and a day can feel like a century. <laughs> but it's there, that's a lot of time. Um, which I, this is not my last question. I have one more question. Um, do you think though, that? Donald can can play a factor or can be a factor in 2022 um, because I think that's also potentially something that could work in our favor. Well, I think yeah. I mean, I think if, if the question is, is, is he a negative factor, you know, is he dead weight? Is he um, on certain tickets? I think absolutely, and I think we've already seen that in some races. Um, you know, I certainly don't think he's a kingmaker, and I think the January 6th hearings have have really painted him nationally uh, for what he is in a really, in a, in a fully realized way. I think there's more work to be done, but there's no question that lots of people have understood that he's a lawless um, operator, a criminal, and, and a threat to democracy. Um, what we don't know yet is, are they going to take action around that? But I don't think he's, I don't, I think the Republicans now know that he's a drag on certain tickets. And DeSantis and Pence are sort of openly flaunting him. And, and there's some, and there's some, there's some funding moving away from him. It hasn't moved away from him on Moss, but, but there's definitely, you know, that's also a barometer of where the party is. Yeah, and I think the good news too is that, um, although the country is paying attention and, and, and reevaluating, uh, Donald's paying attention to January 6th, but it's not going to modify his behavior in any way. So, I think it's going to actually like activate him. It's going to yep. enrage him, right? Yep. Because he's, yep. he's a toddler. Exactly. That's exactly what I meant. Um, and, and I think that's a good thing, uh, especially if, if he announces. I told him, I'm sure he listens to me. I told him I think he needs to uh, announce his run before the 2022 midterms, because that way the election will be all about him. And He'd like that. So he would. And it would be bad for the party. Exactly. And I think he would like that too at this point. Um, okay, so last question. I'd like to just kind of take a step back and, and, and step away from the darkness because it is, you know, it's very trying and exhausting to be steeped in this all the time, even though, as you said, we can't turn away. Um, 
hopefully someday we can take a break, but not not right now. However, we do need to uh, we need to do, be doing other things. So I just was just curious, like what what are you doing now to kind of uh, decompress, de-stress, anything um, you're watching or any? Well, I, I, well I will sound I will sound so boring, you know, but I love my family and uh, I was that my boring. Family, my family's a refuge. And, Have you met the Trump joy. family? That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm talking to the choir here, and I'm teaching the choir. <laughs> the um, uh, you know, I, I love to read. My most recent favorite book was a swim in the pond and the swim in a pond in the rain by George Saunders. Okay, I've already, I've already. I think um, you should read it. It's a beautiful book on writing. Heard this one. And, and he teaches a creative writing class. So more episodes. Mm, let's see. We did Rosie O'Donnell. That that got like the 24 views already or listens. Uh, Ten more episodes. The Republican Party <clears throat> uh, to take on the main, let's see what is, to take on symbols, Kurt Bardella, Gentob, Dean Obadiah, Wajahat Ali, and Cliff Schechter to take on the mainstream something or other. Media's paradigm of promoting the extreme right and marginalizing the populist left, and they emphasize the role we all play in standing up for democracy. Yes. The Republican, yeah, I think we need to hear this. It sounds pretty important. This week's episode of the Mary Trump Show Strategy Sessions. There are 105 days until the 2020 midterm elections, the most consequential elections of our lifetime. This is not hyperbole. And today I am going to be speaking with my awesome Nerd Avengers, uh, with special guests Tara Setfire and potentially future Nerd Avenger, um, about the state of play when it comes to both sidesing everything and the disadvantages that puts Democrats at, the advantages it puts Republicans at, and our other special guest, Olivia Troy, just joining us, and Waj is here. Um, everybody, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. And again, today, we're focusing on the dangers that uh, persist. When it comes to this, it's it's almost a compulsion at this point to pretend that both parties are the same, that if you criticize one, you have to criticize the other. I saw this, uh, while you've been talking about this on Twitter a lot, but I saw somebody, I'm sorry I'm not crediting the person, but I, I honestly don't remember who it was, but essentially the tweet was, you know, on a Saturday, Republicans are burning books. <laughs> They're forcing 10-year-old rape victims to carry their babies to term, uh, and they're flying swastikas. And on Sundays, uh, the Sunday news, alleged news programs talk about uh, high gas prices and inflation. <laughs> so this is a dangerous state of affairs because it, it's deeply misleading, and it gives people the impression that we are living in normal political times. And for people who don't have the capacity 
to pay attention to too much for people who really are suffering because of inflation and high gas prices. It's difficult to uh, see beyond that without making without making an, a concerted effort, which, quite honestly, a lot of people don't understand they need to make. They figure, okay, you know, the news is supposed to keep me abreast of everything that's happening and explain things to me. And uh, we're being failed. They're being failed at every turn. Yeah, so what happens is uh, oftentimes in the media landscape, you know, I've been in this game for a long time. I can tell you, and others who've been working in this field can tell you, is that many of the producers and journalists are just trained. It's almost like Pavlovian response. If I gave six minutes to Rick Santorum, I have to give six minutes to Mary Trump. If I gave four and a half minutes to Brian, I have to give four and a half minutes to Gorka. By the way, just just quick, I never want to hear my name in the same sentence with Rick Santorum. I just, I just, I just, just want to see the gag reflex. I just wanted to see. Is he joining us? Is he joining us next, Mary? Well, I have to give him equal time according right. to Watch. So yeah, joining us. My Mary, be, be glad that it's just your name Gorka. in the sentence and not sitting yeah. next to him like I had to on CNN panels yeah, for Tara years. Yeah, Tara and I had to do that many times. And on yes. Bill Maher's show, where I ripped him such a new asshole that he didn't <laughs> speak to me for years at CNN. He How was so You say as if that's a bad thing. Oh, I wear it with a badge of valor. I legislate against new assholes, I think, in the past, but that's a problem. I just wanted to see Mary, like, dry hack a little bit on live TV. just hurt my feelings. So this is just, I mean, just to connect the dots, that for those who are listening, that's why it works behind the scenes. It's like this almost Pavlovian need. And, they, and they're trained. It's like very difficult to untrain them, to unstick this. And the, and the fear of being perceived as, as unbiased and unfair is more detrimental to them than actually harming democracy. Which is why these platforms, these mainstream platforms, give a column. Or, or like say Rick Santorum got a huge deal at CNN because they feel like, okay, if we bring them on... Then at least it will appear to be fair and balanced. And then also, this is important, is they desperately want to placate the right wing that calls them pedophiles. I'm going to say this again. They want to placate the right wing that calls them pedophiles in the individual state. So like, if we give Hugh Hewitt a column at Washington Post where he can run disinformation, or if we give Rick Santorum a platform where Tara and I will, Tara will say this, we used to go in there for like a seven-minute conversation. Three and a half minutes of the conversation is derailed, just us yep. like debunking the talking points. Yep, the, yep. the devastating effect of this, and that you could see it on two issues in particular, climate change, and also when it comes to vaccines, is that when you do create this both sides false equivalence, instead of you being fair and balanced, you normalize and mainstream the harmful position, which is why, like you were saying, Mary, when the average Jose watches, they're like, oh, 99% of scientists say climate change is real and 1% says wrong, but they had six minutes for both sides. And the data shows is that what happens is that actually mainstreamed climate change denialism, it mainstreamed vaccine disinformation. So connecting it to our point right now, is you have two political parties, one that is so radicalized and weaponized that, as you said, 96% of the people in the House voted against the right to birth control in 2022. A majority of Republicans are for the big lie. They're literally sabotaging school boards, medical boards, state legislatures. Now they're trying to get the sheriffs. There's nothing comparable. And yet this 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 desire to create a both sides false equivalence then says, look, we have to hit Biden uh, inflation. Oh, we have to hit Biden. Oh, look, he's weak here. Oh, but meanwhile, look at the 95 things the Republicans are doing. They're actually attacking democracy. And with the lack of context, what happens is, and we've talked about this on your show before, most people go to the polls and they say the following. 
both sides are extreme. Ilhan Umar wears hijab and tweeted something. And then there's Rick Santorum. Eh, I'm going to wash my hands and just go with the Republican. And this is why I believe those in media are failing the moment. And it's more insidious than that. The last thing I'll say is, with you saw, you saw with the CBS president, the memo that was leaked, he said, like, listen, I think Republicans are going to win in the midterms. We need to get access. So in order to get access, let's hire Mick Mulvaney and give him a six-figure deal. ABC News did that with Chris Christie. Meanwhile, show me the left-wing or liberal equivalent of a Rick Santorum, a Mick Mulvaney, they do not exist. Yeah. Even Dean, yeah. but Dean's a sober, the same person. No, but you're, Dean, I, such you a good You can't story. have two Muslims go back to back. That's against the rules. But this has been another um, tool, I guess, uh, that they, they've had. That, that Again, they borrow wholesale from Republicans by equating the far left and the far right for um in order to demonize the left which by the way the far i don't know anybody who's far left by the way not one person not one elected democrat as far as i'm aware is so-called far left so they they demonize the which is basically the base you know they equate the, the left base with far left and yet they equate the Republican base, which is the far right, with just a normal base, right? The regular you know, folks so out here you in Ohio diners. Say that again? The regular folks out here in Ohio diners. Yes, which I think the New York Times needs to do another feature. I'd like to show them around Ohio next time they come. White, white, white guys in diners in the Midwest have not had their voices amplified enough. Um, oh. I just want to read you some uh, recent votes that have occurred in the house. And this is Raj's point, because I think that things are connected to normalize um, extreme behavior on the right. Legis which has legislative implications. Uh, so, the Respect for Marriage Act, and by the way, these are, these are bills that passed the House of Representatives led by the Democrats. These are not, it's not the House didn't pass them, the Democrats in the House passed them. So that's another, the framing is also important, but we never hear it framed that way. So the Respect of Marriage Act uh, protects same uh, same-sex marriage, but also because apparently this is a thing that needs to happen in 2022. Interracial marriage, oh my God, 157 Republicans voted against that. We have an actor shooter alert act, uh, which is like the Amber Alert system for adopted children. It literally is simply nice to alert people if there's an active shooter in their neighborhood, right? 168 Republicans voted against that. Uh, the Right to Contraceptive Act, which literally just allows people access to birth control without government uh, interference. 195 Republicans voted against that. What? And finally, the National Defense Authorization Act, which is simply uh, requiring the Pentagon and other federal law enforcement agencies to report on efforts to counter white supremacists and neo-Nazis in their ranks, 205 Republicans voted against needing to alert us to whether or not there's white supremacy and neo-Nazis 
in the federal government. Mary, so, that was every single Republican, by the way. Yeah, yes, the last one was every yes. single Republican who voted. A couple were didn't show up. But I, I think it's very important to look at this in terms of uh, legislation because, let's be real, those Republican numbers, uh, with the exception of the last one, because they can't really get much higher unless there are more Republicans in, in the House, those numbers are going to get bigger as as Republicans like Cheney and Kinziger forced out, and especially if the how the Republicans take over the majority in the House. So, Dean, me, me? Um, yes, because I think you know you're the problem. This is exciting. Here. All right, I am. <laughs> no. Here's the, here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line for everyone. The corporate media is not our friend. Okay? The corporate media is not our friend. It's not our enemy. It's a vessel to make money. I don't know why people don't get it. It is a, about revenue. They are publicly traded corporations. Les Moonves famously said in 2016, Donald Trump's not good for America, but he's good for us. People say, like, people talk about the media like, oh, this mystical thing. Would you debate me that pharmaceutical companies, their bottom line about making money or insurance companies? No, you wouldn't. I think it's the delusion that we have that the journalists are supposed to be some noble pursuit. I think individual journalists are great. But when you work in the corporate world, even our friends who are great in the corporate world, work, work in a structure where the top are executives. And the top, some might want balance, but some don't want higher taxes because they're wealthy. That is part of it. I think there's a sinister element to this. Not really sinister as much as just honest. The media, the big executives don't want to pay higher taxes. That's part of it. The two sides, I mean, look, they know Edward R. Murrow famously said they're not two sides to every issue. I didn't go to journalism school. They did. They know that. So this idea that there's two sides, no, this is by design. Look at the framing on the vote on marriage equality. It's like 47 Republicans voted for it. That was a headline. 47 Republicans vote for marriage equality. As opposed to three quarters of Republicans vote against it. It is framing, framing, framing. And the media has an agenda, whatever it might be, but... At the bottom line, look at it as a business. Look at it. They will cover drama over democracy. That's what they're about. So if Democrats and us and Americans who believe in democracy want to navigate that world, we have to come up with ideas that work at that world or go around them. Go around them like somebody's uncle did on this panel by using Twitter to go directly to the people and have it amplified using ways around it because we're going to scream all day about the media like we scream about how Democrats are ineffective in messaging. It's the same argument we have all the time. So yeah. at 105 days out, let's each of us be ambassadors to go out there and tell the story ourselves. Tell your coworkers, your friends, share it on social media. Don't wait for them. We are the leaders we've been waiting for. To wait for them at this point is a joke. It's a fool's errand. It is insanely defined. So get out there. You can do it. We can do it. We can all play a role. 105 days. That's my TED Talk. Thanks, folks. See you later. Uh, uh, I swear, you and Wash are always giving a TED, TED Talks here. This is, I just in case you're unaware, this is not TED. What? I, my agent told me this before you misled. I, I'm so sorry. I, Ryan and Cliff, I know you have something to say, but I want to jump to Tara first. Um, because, first of all, I've been saying this for a long time. I'm sure all of you have said some version of this. The media need to be neutralized to the facts, but they also need to be pro-democracy. Because, you know, there is no free and fair press without a thriving democracy. So, Tara, we, we've, we've seen... You know, we just talked uh, briefly about these legislative horrors uh, that, you know, luckily these things pass. They'll probably, who knows what's going to happen in the Senate. But again, it's it's not that they passed, it's how close they came not to not passing because, um, you know, the Republicans are almost uh, a monolith at this point. 
did you, you know, as somebody who was in the party and then has become one of uh, the most eloquent critics of the party, is this the kind of uh, trajectory you imagined? Um, you know, I recently spoke to Tim Miller. I've been reading his book, and he kind of makes it clear that, you know, a lot of you uh, who were relatively moderate Republicans back in the day were just kind of, you know, going along to get along because you believed in certain uh, Republican principles and the rest was just kind of on the fringes. So does, does this um, evolution, if you want to call it that, make sense? Uh, and to what extent should we be, should we be alarmed? Well, um, I uh, I had the pleasure of reading Tim's book and interviewing him as well on Sirius XM uh, a few weeks ago, and it, it felt very personal for me um, because I the way he lost friends and kind of was looking around going like, what happened here? I, I've gone through that. So it was very cathartic for me. Where we're a little different is that he was more of a kind of like the hitman behind the scenes, you know, the hired gun for contract. And I uh, I was more in the comms policy side of things working on the Hill. So I didn't uh, I, I did campaigns early on, but not at the level that he did at and the kind of the dirt that he did that he is cop to and admitted and, you know, and, and reconciled with. And Tim is great. And I'm, I'm glad we're all on the same side because it's important for people to have that self-reflection because. Oftentimes, some of my best friends were still best friends to this day. We worked on Capitol Hill together, and they did not go to the dark side. And we talk almost every day, kvetching about, was it always like this? Were we part of this? Wait, were they always this bad shit crazy? Did we just not know? And we kind of look back, and we see where we were just, when you're caught up in it, sometimes you don't recognize how bad it is. But what I will say that I did start to notice and start to diverge from kind of the party apparatus and realizing that the party's not going in a great direction with the Tea Party. It was the Tea Party, you know, revolution, evolution, devolution um, that really started me opening my eyes and going, you know, I, I don't really agree with this and their tactics, their language and the way that the Tea Party members came in. And what they were doing, they really weren't interested in legislating. They were more interested in creating chaos and just getting their points across. And then social media became a thing. And and then now we see this new crop of Republicans. Sabotage. They have no principles. The party has no platform. There's, It's not about public policy anymore. And it used to at least legitimately back in the day when I was around. Uh, it was about tax cuts. It was about smaller government. It was about the deficit. It was about national security. I mean, we could argue those policy differences. That doesn't exist now. It's all about, quote, owning the libs. And that is horrible. And that's how we've seen that this emotional uh, appeal to the cult of personality has turned cult into this neo-fascist, uh, authoritarian, undemocratic, illiberal movement on the side of the Republican Party that was once the proud, shining city on the hill, mantle, Reagan Republicans and party of Lincoln. That party is dead and gone. So when we look at some of these legislative um, uh, efforts that Republicans are engaged in, it has nothing to do with what's good for the country. It has to do with whether they can placate their their rabid base and get reelected. Lindsey Graham admits this right out in the public. He's unashamed about it. Look, if you don't want to get reelected, you're in the wrong business. And unfortunately for a lot of these people, it's about getting reelected. It's not about protecting our democracy. And I don't think that we've seen our democracy on the nice edge like this since the Civil War. And I don't know what it's going to take to wake Americans up to that fact.
Yeah. I, first of all, we need to get everything you just said on a bumper sticker somehow. I don't know how. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, I want I want to get back. To, I know Brian has uh, something to say about Dean's comment, but I do want to get back to the part of what you just said, Tara. Yeah, and, right. And Tara's now. And um, just also remind people that there are civil servants who understand that their job is to serve not to get reelected. People like Reps Gloria and Cheney, a Democrat and a Republican who's re Song and dance, and then behind the curtains... This is the Mary Trump podcast about the Republicans. freedom being stolen from us. The people at the top, the Donalds of the world, they don't give a shit about the integrity of the family or being married once or how many abortions anyone they know has. They want the levers of power so they can enrich their friends. Mm -hmm. So this is about, just like we said, the business of news, of the big news media is business. The business of Republican government is business and stripping your freedom away so they can take your money away. That's what the Republicans are doing. They're just not coming something. up with tasks. Just one quick thing. Yeah, right. One quick thing about that. What makes this so difficult to overcome? Yale did a study in 2020 that showed that only three and a half percent of voters would vote against someone in their party because they act in, acted in undemocratic ways. Three and a half percent. <clears throat> that is it. So even though, so people are driven by negative partisanship, they're driven by being a part of their tribe, they're driven by, they don't want to face the the hard integrity, you know, democracy. Well, why don't we go negative what's, on what's Trump? the right thing to do questions because then they have to examine their own lives and a lot of people are hypocrites and they don't want to self-reflect and realize that if I, if I apply that standard to others and I better live by it too. So there's a lot going on sociologically in our country that uh, contributes to this. And those the of us psychopaths. who have been willing to step out and call it out, we are in the minority here. But the good thing is that at least we have platforms Thank God that they, we don't have to rely on traditional media as much anymore. And plus, traditional media is losing confidence by, you know, through the American people anyway. They, they're not confident in that. But, well, right. And lots of money. And unfortunately, local newspapers and things like that are are going away too, which is a shame because a lot of people get their information from local news. So there's a lot going on here, but every one of us plays a role. Everybody on the left gets their news from the comedy show. We are able to talk to each other because the... the the only way you're going to see any kind of immediate change is people talking to other people and then seeing how it affects their lives. Unfortunately, it's selfish. If they don't, if it doesn't affect me, then I don't care. What is this democracy thing? I don't even know what the Constitution says. Who's my congressman? I don't know. But when you start saying, this is what Republicans are doing to you. They're taking over. They're forcing 10-year-olds who are raped to have babies and prosecuting doctors who try to help them. Like, when they go, oh, oh. Like, if we don't start putting it in terms that were, like, as Michael Smirconish says, BLT terms, you need to break it down so the average person understands how it affects them. And until then, that until was a good that name, by the way. Of a price, they don't change. Meanwhile, we continue the fight. Mary, I know we gotta get Kurt in. Can I yeah, give a one yeah. line on, on Morvey Harper? Just, you sure. could just, just a quick yeah. BLT line. If the Supreme Court votes in favor uh, of the, the Republican and Moore v. Harper, Republicans have 30 of the 50 state legislatures. And specifically, they are controlling the seven battleground states, mm -hmm. which means that for the 2024 election, this is for the people who are watching, the Republican state legislature can reject the votes of the people and put in their fake slate of electors 
who will then give the election to the Republican, even if he loses the, even if DeSantis or Trump lose the popular vote and the electoral college votes, they could say, nope, Supreme Court said that we and we alone have the power uh, to decide federal elections, and we're going to reject these electors because of voting fraud, and we're going to put in our Republican electors, and that's a coup. There you that go. Prove. Wait, they can just make it up. But, yeah. but there, you know, we're also four state legislators, they are four state legislators away from being able to call a constitutional convention, yeah. at which that's the last nail. Uh, Kurt, I, I want to um, sort of encapsulate both what uh, Jen and, and Tara were talking about in terms of so nice. what, you know, informing people about what is really going on and, um, you know, that shockingly there are more important things than inflation and gas prices and by the way those are two yeah. things nobody can do anything about anyway really um but what can be done and what can't be done like we need people to have realistic expectations and i think that's that's part of what gets lost on the one hand they don't get accurate information about what what republicans are doing and what the consequences of that are but at the other on the other side they you know a lot of voters seem to think well why doesn't just why doesn't biden just wave his wand and i don't understand why democrats have the majority hey, hey. why haven't they fixed everything right so so what what's what do we do about that well i think part of it has to do with focus right um i wrote a piece for usa today this week uh, expressing my my annoyance with democratic activists who think that protesting in front of the White House or protesting in front of the White House Chief of Staff's house is a productive use of their time, energy, resources, and manpower. In reality, Joe Biden is not your enemy. He is not your adversary. He is not the cause of these things that are going on in our country. The Republican Party is. You know what you don't see in the months leading up to an election? You don't see Republicans protesting their own candidates. That just doesn't happen in the Republican <laughs> Party. Uh, whatever inter-party squabbles we might have, they are set aside in the run-up to the election because they understand that winning is all that matters. Democrats need to figure that out. They need to understand that the perfect cannot be the enemy of the good, and that if you really want the things done that you talk about, the policies on whether it's guns, climate, economy, taxation, inequality, social justice, you have to get more Democrats elected to office. Protesting fellow Democrats isn't going to help you achieve those means. You might as well be doing Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell's job for them if you think that spending your activist energy attacking your own party is the recipe to success, is the recipe towards electoral success. Um, that's what kind of drives me nuts. All the while, to the broader theme of what this panel has been about, we have such an inherent structural disadvantage when you consider that the other side has a never-ending cadre of propaganda vehicles that they have strategically invested in and built over the years, whether it's Ben Shapiro of the Daily Wire, whether it's Charlie Kirk and Turning Point, whether it's what's happened to Fox News, OANN, Newsmax, etc. We have very little equivalent to that on, in terms of scale. The most successful digital messaging operation that I have seen over the last four years was frankly done by the Lincoln Project when they launched something called LPTV. The amount of eyeballs that they would get would at times dwarf CNN. 
And huh. the reason why that was the case is there's clearly an audience and an appetite from our side, our perspective, to see something like that presented in a television streaming format. I, you know, I was once asked, I'm an advisor to DNC, full disclosure. I was once asked by a very major donor, what's the one thing you would say that we need to do as a party? My answer without without blinking was, you need to get you and every one of your millionaires and billionaires to invest in a media-esque company that can offset and combat what we see on the other side. We are fighting this, this fight with one hand tied behind our back. Their side, all they hear is... They're great. Everything they do is the greatest thing of all time, and everything Democrats do is evil, terrible, socialist, end of the world. What our side hears is, well, the other guys are bad, but here's how our side's letting it down. Here's how our side, <laughs> here's how our side's blowing it. Like, well, how in the world are we supposed to compete when that's what we get from our media ecosystem? I'm only laughing because otherwise I'd be sobbing. So I just want to say thank you, Kurt. I appreciate the shout out. Obviously, yeah, I'm very proud of what we've done over at LP. And mm -hmm. just an example, recent in real time right now, yesterday, we at the Lincoln Project put out a pro-Biden ad that was, you know, showing that, yep, some things have been kind of shitty. None of that, most of that's not his fault. But here are all the great things that have actually yeah. happened that are going on. And, you know, Biden as a leader, the leader now, is doing is stepping up to the plate to try to help keep our democracy together and there's jobs and there's this and that and i mean it was a hero ad pro biden yeah you're welcome democrats where are you guys instead they're arguing over this whether biden is physically able to run again what's happening to kamala Harris? Right. don't get me started Why are we're going to talk this about now? that not we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks so republicans you know how to message yeah exactly hang on i just want to say something really quickly about you know how to protest i don't know if you guys heard this but two climate catastrophe activists glued their hands to Botticelli's Primavera, which accomplished one thing. It made people hate climate activists. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, yes, let's destroy art in the service of what exactly? So anyway, yeah, we have to learn how to protest it. I, I have no answer to this, but there's a really important data point. Everyone here knows the poll, the generic congressional ballot poll. Who are you going to vote for today if the election was for Congress? In 2018, at this very point, when Joe Biden and Donald Trump had the same approval ratings now, they, they had the same. Democrats had an eight-point lead. If you look at the 538, a real clear politics, eight point. What is the Republican lead right now? One point. So Americans are paying attention. Despite yep. Democrats' muddled messaging and what we do, we attack each other. We just need a little help to get over the line there to get people out. Because I think people understand more instinctively. And overturning Roe was a big thing. Forcing a 10-year-old to have a child. The rapist is barbaric and if that's your religion get another religion to be blunt but i think people get the extremism out there but i think it's up to us to come up with messages individually collectively with democratic leaders because they see the extremism they see them banning books banning abortion banning transgender rights banning next coming from who you can love again we're going backwards in time to banning black history being taught none of that's an exaggeration that's literally what's going on so i i don't know the answer we struggle on my show how, just to amplify this, because we're there, we're one point, and yes, I understand we really have to be three or four points up in the real world, but we're on the right path, and we've done nothing in terms of messaging in the right way. There's, Can I give the answer to this quickly? Hold on, uh, Brian, and then Cliff. Yeah, the, look, you know, you talk about, and Kurt, and, and Cliff, and you're talking about a, a, a media-esque type company. You know what would really work? 
just a media company that gave you the facts because I got news for you. The Democrats have the facts on their side. Yep. The problem is that we don't we don't portray the facts factually and the Democrats are really poor about coming out and doing the messaging themselves, which is why I don't understand why members of Congress are out protesting uh, about legislation when they have the means at their disposal to pass the legislation. To me, that's kind of silly. Some of the things that the Democrats do are counterproductive to what would actually be better for the country and for themselves. And instead of fighting each other all the time, the united message from the Democrats would help make a, a more united front in what exists in the media today. But bottom line, if it, <laughs> to your point, if, if the Democrats want to, you, you have to sit back and look and go, what more do the Republicans have to do for the Democrats to win overwhelmingly? I mean, we have, we have a, we have a, what? Maybe if we sink into the ocean. Wait, wait a second, though. But then, again, we're devolving again into, it's all the fucking Democrats. The, no, the Democrats have the facts on their side. They have, you know, 70% of Americans agree with, like, agree. practically all of their policies. And yet, it's not that, listen, if it were a level playing field, we wouldn't have to have this conversation. We would not. It is there's gerrymandering, there's voter suppression, there's voter subversion, there's right wing media ecosystem, there's the mainstream media failing daily on it, at its job. This is not a level playing field. So let's concede that Democrats aren't perfect because you know to which I say, and what exactly are Republicans doing? They're they are basically pro fascist at this point. So you know let's let's focus on. What do we do about the fact that we start out, despite the fact that we are pro-democracy, we're pro-humanity, we're pro-civil rights, we're pro, you know, women's rights, etc., pro-equality, all that stuff. We still start with both hands behind our backs. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, look, we may have a. There's look, the beginnings in, in, in you know in some ways of a solution right here. Okay, which is. We're not going to build this media infrastructure in a few months, right? And we're not going to put all this together. But the truth is, right now, we haven't sort of hacked the system in the way the right has. Uh, I mean, look, look at everybody who's sitting here on this panel, right? Who, who have multiple ways of getting messages out, who have huge followings on Twitter, and every journalist is on Twitter, and they're as vulnerable to repeating stuff they see multiple times as, any, as anybody else. The truth of the matter is, is that. You know, and I'm not saying everybody here we should become automatrons like the right. It's not going to happen, right? But if, if you know, I started tweeting out just the other week, and I think I forgot this week, so I need to get on it every day, you know, uh, something along the lines of they want to make 10-year-old girls force them to have children when they're raped. They want to, you know, put guns in the hands of the Highland Park shooters. They want to... And, you know, we let these things go away because we don't have that media infrastructure that keeps Troubled repeating young them, people. right? Well, right here among us, when you, when you look at podcasts, you look at every day, the, the amount of people that can Fucking be reached, Karen. all of us were on message, so to speak, and tweeting these things out and reminding people, journalists would see it, activists would see it, and it is a way right now and with the challenges we have. It's not perfect, but I feel like it's the best we got. Uh, it's a start. Like a minute. Because I just want to ask you a question. Okay. So um, we're, we basically have this situation where the right has so many uh, structural advantages and other advantages. Do you think that that has uh, increased the extremism uh, on the right? Because 
they don't have to uh they don't have to appeal to anybody outside of this very narrow group no absolutely i think it's become just such a strong echo chamber that i don't think there's any i mean like there were guardrails maybe along the way i don't think there are really any um that's actually my concern about what happens uh in 2024 and actually even after the midterms i'm just really concerned because it's going to become loyalists are being loyalist, so to speak. Um, and that is when it becomes very dangerous, uh, where, you know, it was already dangerous. Um, but I would say that there were different voices in the room who at least we tried uh, to kind of take a stand and try to figure out how to navigate in difficult situations. I think going forward, you're going to see um, that it will be loyalists supporting loyalists, and it's going to be more extreme. And I mean, you're seeing that now in a lot of the messaging you're seeing in the ads. I mean, there's so many Republican ads out there. Unfortunately, they're, you know, what, guns, Jesus, and who knows what else. I mean, that's what they focus on. Babies. That's what they're counting. Yeah. And uh, I don't see that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'll, you know, I think all of the grievances, all of the anger, uh, you know, there's been talk about uh, revenge against uh, those of us have really, that have really been supportive of the January 6th Select Committee's work uh, because it matters, <laughs> because mm-hmm. we care about the rule of law, we care about justice, we care about accountability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's been talk about how what it would, what, what it will be like in the future um, should, there, should they gain power after the midterms and how Congress will behave. Um, toward each other and those that took a stand or even, you know, other people that were vocal about it. So I think, I do think that's what's causing a lot of the, the greater divide and I think they're taking advantage of it. Right? The more extreme yes. they get, the more popular they get. Right. And I it's think working for them. And they, again, because they need such a minority, uh, you know, a small minority of people voting uh, because of the system, uh, they can... Hate is working for them, right, Tara? And they're very well organized. I, yes. in my final comments before I have to jump, but I, I just want to say two things. Donald Trump is in Washington, D.C. today speaking at one of his America First pro- uh, Policy Institute bullshit. Bullshit depot for the rejects from his past uh, administration who couldn't get jobs. But guess how much money they have? They've got $25 million and 150 people on staff. They are very well-funded. This morning. Right, right. They're very well-funded. They're very well-organized. And they're dedicated. It's like terrorists. They have a religion. And they're dedicated to it. And they think that, you know, that they sacrifice themselves and do whatever they need to do to reach their goal. And for these people, they have nothing else. So never underestimate the will and the commitment of the enemy. Because when we are sleeping... They're not. When we're arguing and, you know, uh, you know, circular firing squad with each other, they are marching lockstep forward with their objective. So it's really like important that lots of folks get their heads out of their asses and realize that we are losing time here and that we've, not, we've got to stop arguing over points and pikas and this billion dollars or this trillion dollars or this regulation or that regulation, because none of that shit's going to matter if the democracy goes under. One right. focus is... Pre- is voting people into office who are pro-democracy or they're not. 
either they believe in the Constitution or the rule of law, or they Pass don't. And right now, the Republican Party Biden does not. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's such that a good point. And I, I would only add, uh, before we get to our final segment, that part of the problem here is that uh, we, we take democracy for granted. And I think many, many people, probably the vast majority of people in this country, have never had to think about what democracy means, what it means to them, what it means in their lives. So they focus, and in some cases, very understandably, because when you live in a society that is completely organized around the economy and economic success or failure, then it's hard to think about anything else when you're struggling financially, right? So, um, I mean, that's a conversation I absolutely want to have for another time. Anybody who could stay, I would love to. We, we like to kick back at the end. Bye, Tara. Uh, we will see Thank you, you soon. Thank you. Uh, bye, Kurt. Bye, Olivia. Um, I, I think he's threatening to go into the pool, which is not fair. But he's there, he's there he goes. He he in the pool. Swimming is more important to him. We argue about Reagan again now. <laughs> okay, Reagan is evil. Yes. Um, I think Reagan was one of the worst presidents in the history of this country, with the exception of Donald and George W. Bush. And the crazies from the people in his administration and Reagan, too, they called them the crazies, which they did. Pat Buchanan, Lynn Nofsinger, <laughs> some of the other ones, they are the direct descendants, of, you know, Donald Trump and these guys now. He elevated people, before, you know, so. Uh, how about that one little uh, producer that he uh, elevated in his... Roger uh, uh, somebody or other? Yeah, Roger mm. that... Starts with an A? Yeah, remember yeah. He's Roger Asshole. Oh, okay, yeah. let's... Can we talk about the, the cable would rather book instead of progressives, former Republicans, how they love that? Because they're not here anymore on the ballot. <laughs> I like them all. But no, they, they'd yeah, no. rather have real, instead of having a real progressive, they'd rather have a former Republican on. But, well, listen, we don't know that. And honestly, no, I, 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 we I, know we that. Do know okay, we, we do know, know that. that. But no, I have I love to that. It's not about that. It's the bookers. It's not their. I look forward to the day when all of us and Tara and Olivia can fight over policy. Um, but we're not there yet. Uh, so we are all um, pro-democracy, and that's really all that matters at this point. And um, on that note, I'd like to take a step back and ask all of you, because I swear to God, every week... Feels. I was trying to think about um, last week's hearing, and I, I'm not kidding. I thought the last week's hearing was three weeks ago. It's like, wow, it's been a really long time since it's been, it's been four days, five days, whatever. So um, what are you doing to de-stress or, you know, what, what's, what's helping you, uh, whether it's stay sane or just decompress or... Um, find a little joy, um, you know, because uh, it, it's unceasing. And like Tara said, you know, we can't take our foot off of the gas at all, but we do have to stay healthy enough to fight. <laughs> so, Dean, what are you doing? I'm supposed oh, to be on vacation. I know, he's like, I'm so I'm sorry. You're vacation. On vacation. I'm supposed to be in the Middle East, but my fiance got COVID four hours before the flight. But she was already in the Middle East visiting her family in Haifa. So, oh, what do you so, know that part? So, so she goes, I te- she uh, she had a fever. So, my uh, I'm doing a staycation. I'm chatting with you guys, which is bringing some sanity. It really does. I mean, for me, honestly, no, that's not. But the fact I do a radio show three hours a night and talk to people in the Democratic base, we lift each other's spirits. I mean, and 
I, I hate to sound like a cheerleader, but that's, I feel like that's my role, but I, it's organic, it's sincere. I really believe the truth is when we come out big, we win big. It's backed up in 2017 in Virginia and Georgia, 2018 for the House, 2020. We can do that again in 2022. And it's about, you know, Kurt was saying some of these protesters aren't doing the right thing. I understand strategically, but you want people engaged. You want their energy. I'd rather they get involved and they wouldn't get up the vote than not get engaged. So to me, I just read a lot and, and chat with, email Mary and, and go on Twitter um, and try to take a breath every now and then, take a step back and not listen to the news. But we're 105 days out. There's no time to check out. It's time to check in and step up. We, can, we have to save it. It's up to us. It's this simple. This right. is We're doing this from another country. Right, and that's that's why we need to find things uh, here and there because we can't, you know, we can't be focused twenty four hours a day, right? Well, we need we need something to, e- even if we can't take our minds off of it entirely, uh, at least refocus. Yeah. So, coincidentally, yesterday I was just uh, thinking about the future of our country, which I often do, and the state of democracy. I'm not a masochist. I think, but I think it's one of the situations when, when you have the awareness and you can connect the dots and you're lucky and privileged like us that we either do this as a living or we have the time to invest in it. Uh, oftentimes uh, I feel like, you know, like the brown Cassandra, like you see it, you, like it's like don't look up, you see the comet. And it, 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 exactly what you said is, and you feel this type of pain and exasperation that your fellow countrymen and, and, and folks just don't care or are tapped out, and that can be very demoralizing. And so I'm not a Pollyanna-ish person, but I'm also not a cynic, and I'm a realist. And so I was thinking about it, I'm like, you know, realistically, and I hope I'm wrong, things can change. It's, I'm like, we're in a tough place for 10 years, even if Democrats win, right? Because the other side, those forces are radicalized and mobilized, and... Thanks to the right-wing media ecosystem, we've lost about a third of our fellow Americans, at least from my lifetime. I think they live on Earth 3. They're not evil. They're not devils. They believe we're all pedophiles who worship Satan and are coming after the children. Like, I think that's going to be for the next 20 years. And a part of me says, okay, if, if this is Star Wars, maybe we're in Empire Strikes Back, the second one. And if you guys haven't seen the trilogy, that's when things are really bleak. And that's when, like, Darth Vader comes back and they're hiding out on the Hoth base and it's like they're frozen. They're just trying to survive. And I hate quoting Churchill because he was a racist, but he had some good gems. During World War II, right, uh, when it seems all was lost, he said survival is victory. And yeah. I feel like it's one of those situations where I was thinking about my mindset. I'm like, it's easy to give up, but I have three kids. Yeah. And the story's still being written. It isn't over yet. And what's my role in this story, right? And so my role in this story is perhaps to keep fighting and, and keep this going because we don't know how, what the page, the next page is going to turn. We don't know what the story is going to be. And then for my kids' generation, maybe they can inherit this better version of America that we fought for. Yeah. And so that's what keeps me going. And then also, I, I think it's very important, like I said this before on your show, I'm not interested in martyrs. I think especially on the left, like that's been a sign of success. Look, I died for everyone. Look how many arrows I have in my chest, right? And I'm like, yo, I want you to live like a long, healthy life, first and foremost, because I need more from you like to extract like your, your superhero talent. But also, I want to create a narrative for our children. They're like, oh, look, that person, you know, my dad, my Baba, he, he worked hard. He took on these fascists, but he was also happy and he was a good Baba and he was invested. And so what I try to do is I take those breaks every day. Uh, watch it. I watch the Netflix that I want to watch. Uh, I build a Lego set for my kids. I go work out now with the gym with a mask on. Uh, you know, I'm trying to lose my COVID weight. 
and I make sure every day that I set aside some time for my kids and just to play, just for the sake of playing. Mm-hmm. And then that restores me spiritually and emotionally to get back into the fight. And I think that's very important for people because if you're tapping out now, if you're depressed, if you're exasperated, you are not helping yourself, you're not helping your family, and you're not helping this movement against fascism. Right. I need you in the long run. Yeah, and that's you know part of why I like to ask you guys what you're doing to stay in the fight without burning out. Um, because we all do need to be in this for the long haul. And you're right, it's not 2022 or 2024. It's at least another decade if we win. And then the fight looks completely different if we don't. Uh, but it's fascinating. Like, every time we do this, I'm literally just like, hey, what kind of Lego set you build in? Or what do you watch on Netflix? And then Waj always like gives us this mic drop of an eloquent speech that's you know very difficult to follow. So thanks, Waj. Uh, no, but seriously, it's it. Everything you said um, is absolutely something people need to take to heart, and uh, because it also reminds us that we do need each other. We are not doing this in isolation, despite the fact that I, I, I don't know, Cliff. I, you just had COVID. I still. Sorry, did I violate your HIPAA? I think I said publicly that. <laughs> on Twitter and many places. So you didn't well, I, I can't violate your HIPAA rights anyway. <laughs> so there you go. So like, I don't even, I tested negative a few times, even though my son tested positive. So I don't even know if I had it. I know I didn't feel great. Yeah, I you know he did. had it. So I'm assuming I did. But if you're jumping into what I do, I, I kind of feel like there's the, the and don't tell anybody this, because I, I try to act like a mean guy. But there's like the cuddly things you do. <laughs> There's the stupid things you do. For me, the cuddly things are I have two boys that I adore. And even though the 15-year-old is like a rock star drummer now, whatever, I don't care. He has to hug me. Uh, but, but no, I mean, they're such sweet boys. They're awesome. And I find time for them, as Waj was saying, every day. You know, I'm listening to hair metal. I mean, a week ago, two weeks ago before all this, it's probably where I got COVID. You know, we were masked. You know, we went to like see bands like Skid Row and like Motley Crue. That's right. We're 1980s. Um, and, you know, my younger kid is a huge sports fan. And I grew up in New York, as I said. So, you know, big Yankees fan. And the Yankees came out here and played the Indians. Oh, sorry. Guardians. God, kick me off this. Um, yeah, bye. You're and and uh, came out. <laughs> that was awful. Um, and they played the play. They, they were the called Pirates. that for like eight decades. So I know. It's an I know. Understandable. They played the Pirates, too. I'm sure that's somehow not. I was more worried about the Motley Crue reference, but hey. <laughs> okay, it's all good. And so I went on the, you know, so doing stuff with my kids and just hanging out with them and my wife is awesome. And so there's that. Oh, and let's not forget the four cats. One of them was behind me. But yeah, we have four of them because we're crazy. But they're adorable. I love them and whatever. So there's that. The stupid stuff. Is it Dieter? What's his name? Dieter? Dieter? Daedric? Dieter? Daedric? Whatever the dude's name is. Dieter. Thank you. I'm getting mixed up. Who was asking the other day, like, what's a dumb action movie that I can watch? And I'm like, oh, let me talk to you. Stupid action movies where stuff blows up. Let me relax. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't have to think. The good guys always win. That's a talk. There you go. Stuff like that. So I do, so I do some of that. And then, you know, like, I would say the final thing is just... And the stuff you would all do, like I go to the gym and, and, and do karate and whatever. But and the final thing is, honestly, like the, the YouTube channel I started where I really like go after Republicans and point out their hypocrisies and do those things. Like that's cathartic for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, it's not just something I'm doing to promote whatever and get out there. I have to do it. 
that's I didn't, cool. I would explain. And, and honestly, doing that, I mean, I take time off when I need to. So, you know, whatever works for people, it's some combination, I think, of the, like, you know, being able to sort of chill with an animal is a great thing. Being able to, like, do yeah. something stupid. Sure. And then sometimes, you know, even the work we do can be a way you relax. So, yeah, the best thing Absolutely. I can do. Nothing as cool as what Wash said. I don't have a big speech. Well... Who, who can be as cool as Lodge? I don't know. Fair enough. Okay, I'm going to use want... that blurb. Okay. Gene, you want to try? No, I'm kidding. I uh, what are you? Didn't I do my thing? Yeah, you did. I'm, I'm so sorry. I started with you. You started with me. I haven't had COVID, but I'm telling you, I have COVID brain. I'm you not do. kidding. I that's think it's, it's from okay. two, well, actually, as I've said before, I've been in isolation since November 9th, 2016. So, you know, it ta- I'm not kidding. It really takes its fucking toll. Oh, you know uh, so, uh, not quite the same way. Sorry. <laughs> Brian. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm officially an old part here. Watch, uh, the first uh, first date with my wife that we went to was in Par Strikes Back. <laughs> You're like 800 years old, man. That's amazing. Yeah, you oh, so I well. can't oh, even God. count that high. You and Methuselah hang out? Uh, and you still have your hair in your head. You're like a, you're like a, a bit of it Adonis. Anyway. But I like the No Martyrs thing, too. That takes me back to the movie Pat. No bastard ever won a war by dying for his country. He won it by making the other cool dumb bastard. <laughs> I kind of like that idea. But uh, uh, seriously and comically. Seriously, my three-year-old grandson. I, do, I don't have any more mountains to climb. I don't have anything to prove to anybody. I just want a safe environment from my grandson when he grows up. Because... Um, the things that I enjoy and have been able to take advantage of in this country, I want for all the children, uh, especially my grandchildren. I want a, I want a future for the United States of America that's a democratic nation, not one that's an authoritarian, Hitler-esque uh, uh, aristocracy or a theocracy, even worse. The biggest problem in our country today is, the, and I'm saying this as a, as a Catholic raised in you know a Catholic environment, uh, the biggest problem are those six conservative Catholics on the Supreme Court. They will destroy the United States, and they believe that the only thing that that stands in the way between righteousness uh, is are, are all of those of us, the majority, who don't believe as they do. So to keep my head straight, um, I, I look at my grandson, and I put one foot in front of the other each day, do my job, write my column. Try to point out the bullshit when I see it. Go after. I gotta go cover Donald Trump today, and it's making me ill. Just I'm tingling in my seat thinking about it. Then comically, I guess it's going to be uh, hallucinogens, bourbon, rock and roll, and comedy. Those will keep me <laughs> in my gardening. But that, that all at will, the same time. That sounds all dangerous. At the same time. Some garden. <laughs> garden. And, 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 I would pay money to see a high Brian garden. Oh my some magic Isn't it great though, Brian? The six Supreme Court justices are going to help Republicans and democracy. They'll, they'll end up just being six people in a row. That's all they're yeah, going to be. That's, that's what they're yeah. doing. They're destroying the monster. The court means nothing. And they're just people wandering around in a robe in the future. That's all they're... And I don't want to know what they're doing underneath their robe. And when all, they, right, all right, they, all right, all right. They're waving their magic wands. I don't want to know that. Well, you either. know what Long Dong Thomas was doing. So. Yeah. All right, then, Jen. So, Let's stop last, this madness. So the last one, I just say... <laughs> okay. Be in here with you guys. Is this a locker room? A locker room? I, yeah. <laughs> it's a locker room. I know it's Long Dong Silver. I apologize. It wasn't me. That's all right, Jen. Silver. Okay, okay. So yeah, um, I guess three things. One, um, 
On Facebook, they have these sites or these groups called Buy Nothing. I don't know if you know these. There's one in my area. And so if you have something you're cleaning out your house, you don't need some old Ikea bookshelves or someone else has a sled or the Chase Lounge I got for free. You post it on this Buy Nothing site. And so I've really gotten into that because when I needed stuff for my office, I found, found something free. And when we needed to move some stuff out of my kid's room. And I really like the idea of giving away stuff for free and exchanging stuff for free. It's kind of, it gets your sort of acquisitive side satisfied without having to, you know, spend some money and also helping others. Um, I love that. That's good. The second thing is um, I'm trying to be a better mom. Um, and so I let my 15 year old get a snake that I kind of like. <laughs> That's being um, mom? Snakes are awesome. They really are. Snake. And then my uh, my husband, being an overachiever artist, actually built a vivarium out of this gorgeous. Well, you know, Michael. Out of of course, he did. And then the other thing I'm trying to do. The third thing is I'm trying to be a better spouse. When Michael and I were dating, I assured him. I said, you know, I'm not like other women. I'm, you know, I'm not going to take up your time. I don't want to spend any time with you. I got my own shit to do. <laughs> he always jokes. He's like, I thought you were joking. <laughs> I, I, he thought I was joking, but now it's the big joke is on him because he like for like the last five years he's been trying to get me to ever talk to him, and so we used to like we finally no because I shut up Mary I hope he's not watching now, but because uh, I'm busy it's like he's nice I like him but like I have stuff to do, and so now I actually start to really during COVID I start to really like him a lot, and so every morning we have coffee together. <laughs> No, he's a lovely person, but I'm really that, like, he's the gold. Oh, You're a tough room. Oh, no, he's, wow. he's a wonderful guy. So you're no, always wanting to get to go, you know your husband now. This is no, nice. but I never, I'm on, I don't have things in common? You know, women have, like, to talk about stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, women want to process stuff. I'm like, I want to talk about the news at dinner. People have to say, talk about your feelings to me. So <laughs> learn to be more human. Um, so that's what I've done. Yeah, that's been fun. But, but Jen, you know, to Jen's point, I've, I've learned more about my fiance than for years during COVID. I realized she's not just my best friend, she's my only friend. <laughs> I have no friends. No one cared about me. Wait, only wait a minute. Wait I a swear minute. to God, I'm not even married, Mary, but like Mary's. Sorry, but I've been married for 15 years. We don't want to be around each other all the time. I like you, Dean. You're nice. We love you. It's not, you're not real friends, okay? You're not real friends. If I had a move, you're not helping, okay? So, okay, just want to make an announcement. There may be an opening in the Nerd Avengers soon if this continues. I want to do it. <laughs> what? Something I said? No, Dean. It's like we, oh. you're not our, you're not my. Friend. No, no, you know what I mean. I mean, they're close friends. Like okay. anyone emailing me, how you doing during yeah. COVID? It's me, her, and the plants. If she goes, that's all I got. Are plants, okay? I don't got kids. I don't got a, a pet. Do the plants. It's me, her, and the plants. Get a pet. Get a pet. Get a cat. The best. Cats are the best. I'll help you. No, no, I totally understand because for it's a very long story, but I basically got completely isolated during COVID, and it definitely changes, um, you know, how you relate to people. Uh, it's it's tricky, um, but we we are here for you, whether you like it or not. So yeah. I prefer to be alone. Actually. I'm just gonna get Dean another plant. 
I was going to start by saying that hanging out with you guys really helps, and now I'm not so sure. But, well, that's pretty um, much so up until recently, no, seriously, this is this is. Uh, I look forward to this um, a lot. And uh, I don't know, maybe that says something about me. I'm not really sure. But uh, no, I seriously, it, it, it helps tremendously. And um, other than that, though, I, uh, I'm i reading this book called Breathe by Jason Nestor, I think his name is, because um, you know, I've, I've had asthma forever and um, I'm trying to get in shape again and... Uh, you know, breathing is something that doesn't come easily to me. So, so, and I think it's incredible. It is. It obviously, it's the most important thing we we yeah, do. Yeah, he needs to breathe. And yet, but yet, like human beings are terrible at it. It's kind of fascinating uh, how that happens. Yeah. But uh, so I'm reading that, and I, I'm I'm detoxing. I'm on this very strict detox right now. Uh, it's been seven days. Um, What's it like? You know, so going to keep that up and. Um, you know, so far so good, but it's. I think it's a sign of just how toxic I was that I still don't feel great. I think it's because you're in a box next to Brian, and he is so full of stuff. Well, it's Brian. it's like it's Brian how those hallucinogenics are used to walk. You get a box over. just hanging out in your box. Just, you're in the you same so box, and you get hot. And then it floats over to the box you're in. Right, you're in contact high from Zoom. With Brian. Mary, when it comes to breathing, right? Like, don't underestimate it. I feel like even those who are watching, uh, oftentimes moments of stress and panic, and we feel besieged, right, for the past yep. three years, especially during the pandemic. Yeah. Literally, human beings forget to breathe. It's like fight flight and so the practice Freeze. of breathing it allows you to relax it allows you to stay in the moment it allows you to like your brain like starts functioning at like a rational level again and it allows for gratitude and happiness yeah. also, no, it, will, it will ease i learned it from the karate that you know take i take with my older son and just into the nose and a big out through the mouth you do when you get really anxious a couple of those i swear to you will work I mean, I'm not saying all anxiety goes away if it's a big moment or whatever, but it will it, it will calm you. It, but, it, yeah, and it, but like what you're saying, if you turn it into a practice too, and you know, I, I used to do Taekwondo, and you're right, Cliff, it is, it's incredibly, it's amazing how much more powerful you are when you use your breathing properly. Um, so, uh, I mean, so part of that too is just, uh, I think Cliff and I are just putting people on notice that we can do drugs, if necessary. Correct. But we, 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 we Make me sweep the leg because I'll do it. Yeah, I'm half Sicilian. I'll pay someone to sweep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I won't do it myself. I'm not easy. I'll buy the Sicilian. Oh, oh my God! All right. On that note, stop buying people. Right. I, um, <laughs> I it was so great to see you, my nerd Avengers. Thank you. Dino Badala, Kurt Bordella. Tara Setwire, Olivia Troy, thank you so much. I uh, will see you all soon. Stay safe. Thank you so 
much to my Nerd Avengers and our special guests, Tara Setmeyer and Olivia Troy, and thank all of you for joining us today and for all of your great comments. Um, I just wanted to uh, jump in and let you know that this coming Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, at youtube.com slash Politicon, we'll have a regular show with my guest, Tim O'Brien. That is not to be missed. Uh, and, of course, uh, next Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, youtube.com slash Politicon. We will have our next strategy session with the Nerd Adventures and special guests to be decided. Uh, also, while you're at uh, youtube.com slash Politicon, please uh, subscribe to the Politicon chap- uh, channel. It's free. Uh, like the episode, and if you click on that bell, you will be alerted every time a new episode drops. Um, in between episodes, I've been doing a bunch of short videos, very like literal, like really short, from like 45 seconds up to 15 minutes. So check those out too. That's sort of my way of trying to stay on top of the kind of unceasing news cycle. Um, and of course, you can listen to the podcast at Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. And if you're on Apple, please do give the show a five-star rating. It really does help other people find the show. And, and, you know, part of what we talked about today was how important it is for Democrats and pro-democracy people to find ways get the message out to uh, yeah. help us make up for the, the really dangerous deficits in the mainstream media. So that is it for today. Thank you again so much for being here. I will see all of you Thank on you, Thursday Mary. night, 7 Great p.m. Job. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please stay safe and be Thanks for tuning into the Governor Show. And if you like this show, go check out another one, man. I cover Midas Touch, Legal AF, Lincoln Project, Mary A. Trump, obviously, um, Michael Cohen, Mea Culpa, Mock, uh, Occupy Democrats, Move On, Trevor Noah, um, John Oliver, and uh, Look Into History, and... Uh, Yeah, this is the new Atlantis. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Arizona and KPYT, Pasquayaki Tribal Radio on the res with Trista Show. Thanks for for our million listeners. Bye. Oh yeah, wear a mask in public indoor spaces. Don't be an idiot. Wear a mask. Bye. Hi there, we're back with the Christopher Governor show, and let's watch another Mary L. Trump show that seems to be popular, I noticed. Okay, we're going to go back in time, the Republican Party we just did. Malcolm Nance followed by the 721J6 hearing with the Nerd Avengers. Joined by U.S. veteran nationals to discuss the war in Ukraine. The birthright and the right to the right. 
Kind of leading democratic minds to choose an alternative interest strategy session. Um, I don't know if I've seen that one yet. Why we did it? Now my party. I think I've, I think I've read that. Uh, listen to that one. Hmm. Okay, strategize. Sorry guys, I hope I haven't heard this. Dance, 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 dance. Mary, tell it like it is. 17 days left until the 2022 midterm elections. Welcome back to the Mary Trump strategy sessions, where every week my panel and I try to answer this question. How do we ensure that the Democrats win races at every level of government and hold on to or preferably expand our razor-thin margins in the House and Senate. Tonight, I want to start here. In the last few months, the vast majority of Republicans in the House have voted against preventing price gouging, capping insulin prices, and easing the baby food shortage. In the last 24 hours, they voted against VA benefits for toxin-exposed vets, a bill to report problems with neo-Nazis in the military, a national active shooter alert bill, which is essentially an amber alert for active shooters in your neighborhood. This, of course, doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of things Republicans are against. The list includes allowing victims of rape and incest, including children, access to abortion, keeping our children safe from gun violence, saving the planet from climate change, voting rights, and American democracy. All things that the vast majority of Republicans in the House and in the Senate as well seem to be against. So given all of that, it is absolutely mind-blowing to me that Republicans have a chance of winning anything in yeah, November. Exactly. So tonight, I want to talk like about why the missteps of the Biden administration, and don't get me wrong, there are there have been many, okay? I can see that. But how did those missteps over the overshadow the very real and significant accomplishments of the administration? And how is it that Republican obstruction which undermines congressional Democrats' ability to get their policy initiatives passed, always seem to be blamed on the Democrats. And I think it's this dynamic uh, that makes people very nervous um, when Biden in particular or the Democrats in general are criticized. So with my phenomenal guest tonight, um, Nerd Avengers plus special guest Danielle Moody, I want to go through this for our viewers uh, because... On the one hand, we want to make sure that the Democratic Party is the best it can be. On the other hand, though, we don't want anybody for a second to think that the Republicans are a viable or reasonable alternative. And yet there's so much stacked against the Democrats, both uh, institutionally, structurally, and in terms of how the media handles uh, the parties and politics and policy. Uh, that it's, you know, it's it, it's a very fraught time. I, you know, it seems, Brian, that it should be as simple as you're voting for democracy or you're voting for fascism, and yeah. yet um, all we're hearing about are things nobody has any control over, uh, yeah. inflation and uh, high guys, gas prices. Which, well, by the way, just as a quick, quick aside, gas prices have been falling every day for the last 26 days. But we don't know that. <laughs> I think your biggest problem, Mary, is that it, it's messaging. Um, they are talking about things that um, 
the, the Democratic Party has some solutions and some legitimate criticisms, but right now there's only one party that is for democracy, and the other one is strictly for fascism, and they, of course, make no bones about it, and they're going to get their people out to vote. Democrats, if they want to defeat it, look, there are more Democrats than Republicans. You have to motivate the voters. The higher the voter turnout is, the less chance the Republicans have of winning it. That's just a simple fact, which is why they've tried everything in the world to keep you from voting. But the simple fact of the matter is, if you get people, you have to let them know why this matters to them and what's important to it. And, you know, uh, James Carville saying it's the economy, stupid, is something that the Republicans are trying to co-op, not... Uh, and the Democrats haven't framed the argument correctly. It's the Republicans that are screwing it all up. And if they did that, if they framed their message a little bit better, I think they'd reach more people. But at, at the end of the day, I, I think what you're really looking at in this fall. And look, I just came from my wife and I voted today, early voting in Maryland. Voter turnout is heavy, very heavy, which portends well for the Democrats. But I live in a very progressive district. You've got to get those districts that are competitive and purple, those people out voting. At the end of the day, that's what it is. It's the turnout. Everybody knows what the Republicans are all about or what's left of the Republican Party is all about. They don't care about women. They don't care about the economy. They only care about their their authority. That's it. And if you get the people out to vote, you'll be fine. But that's that is the rub is is staying on point on message. And the Democrats have never fought as dirty, never fought as, as tenaciously as the Republicans. That's one thing that Carville pointed out. You know, he said, he said, look, I don't like what they stand for, but you got to admire their work ethic. And that's, you know, they work hard to screw you over. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I don't even think we need to fight dirty. No, we just, just go off. We just need to fight. But it also... I'm not so sure that everybody knows what the Republicans about. If everybody knew what the Republicans were about, then um, Herschel Walker wouldn't be even in contention in Georgia. J.D. Vance wouldn't be within two points of Tim Ryan in Ohio, et cetera. And we can go down line. And Danielle, you and Wajali and I spoke about this very recently, um, about the fine line between um, being critical in a constructive way, right, um, and engaging, energizing the base and scaring people or, you know, letting people think that by calling the administration out or the Democrats out on certain things, there's room to make the argument that, well, then we should just vote for Republicans. And the fact that, that that's even a concern suggests to me that there are many, many people who don't understand what the Republicans are about because they don't have the luxury to pay attention. You know, there are knee-jerk Republican voters, et cetera, et cetera. And by the same token, um, which is why we have to worry about Democratic turnout, because a lot of Democrats aren't totally tuned in either, uh, right? That, that is, seems to be a consistent struggle we have. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are a couple of things there. One, you know, James Carville is somebody who has been a Democratic strategist since, you know, the beginning of time. And I think that what we, you know, what, what we all know to be true is that this party is being run by, you know, people that are in their 80s. They are people, they are politicians and statespeople from a completely different time that no longer exists. And so when when Wash and I on um, you know talk about the fact that you need to have some type of critique. We critique the Democratic Party because I give a damn. 
right? Like if I didn't care, then I would just keep my mouth shut. If I thought that they were, you know, if, if I if I didn't think that there was an opportunity or still time for them to change and make a pivot, then I wouldn't say anything. But I think by virtue of what we have seen and just the recent poll that came out this week that's making all the news and all the rage from the New York Times is, you know, looking at the fact that you have this generation, Generation Z, right? These 20-somethings, 20, you know, uh, 18 to, to, to roughly 30 years old right now. And you know the saddest thing that I, that I read? They don't have any memory of good times in America. We have quite literally handed over this generation just crap, right? From climate change to voter suppression, now that women and people with uteruses are unable to get an abortion, and there are people that are gonna come up behind them that don't even remember a time when abortion was gonna be legal. Do you know what I'm saying? And so for us to continue to say that we need to have conversations that are about, you know, the economy, it's the economy stupid, which is what, you know, Carvel says, over and over again, and I and I said this the other day on MSNBC, I can think of no other economic issue than the ability to actually, you know, afford the people that are at your kitchen table. The ability to decide when and when and when, where and if you want to have a family. And then what happens, what we saw during COVID, are the two million plus women that were forced out of the workforce because they're the primary caregivers for their children. And so the Republicans have set up an entire dynamic and situation where economically Americans are going to be struggling. And that is not just about the price of gas or the price of chicken. It is going to be about your economic ability to be able to afford those things. And so when they want to have conversations about the economy, my my thing is connect the goddamn dots. It's really yeah. not that hard, right? Like yeah. Republicans yeah. have literally given you everything that you need. Connect the dots. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's one of the things that drives me crazy with the it's an economy. It's the economy message, because you're right. It from literally the focuses on, right from but, the Republicans. It's disingenuous. It's disingenuous. But of course, it's disingenuous. But, but the problem is it's it, it is it elides so much, as Danielle just pointed out. It literally focuses on how expensive shit is right without thinking talking about context without so talking like what is, what is a, what is a more hang on one second what is a more kitchen table issue that as danielle just said being able to afford the people who are sitting at your kitchen table right <laughs> so okay brian push back well it, it, if look it's a disingenuous message from the republicans when James Carville, and, and thank you, Danielle, for pointing out I'm old. But when, when James Carville, when James You're not as old Carville, as James Carville. Yeah, no, this, no, he, he was old when I first met him. But when, he, he was born old, I think. Yeah, yeah, he was. But when he was saying it's the economy stupid, he was telling Democrats to fight the Republican messaging and that they had to come out and say, listen, the Republicans have screwed it up. He's He may be old, but he's right about that. It's the Republicans who bear the responsibility for the, for the mess that we're in. And the Republicans are great at deflection, and the Democrats are horrible at framing the, you know, the, the argument. But they let the Republicans frame the argument all the time and then react to it. And, mm-hmm. and, and Biden and his folks need to get out. And, and fr- that's where I think the, the, the big problem is in the Democratic Party is in their messaging. And yeah. I continue to say that it's everything that we're saying just goes back to look. Yeah, you're, you're right. 
The Republicans are pretty screwed up. I spent four years, you know, with death threats over my head every day covering the Trump administration that cared nothing for people. And most of the Republicans today are Trump vilified. I mean, they love Trump. You know, what's left of the Republican Party are Trump fans, Trump fanatics. They don't care about anybody either. And the, the Democrats need to let them take up more air out of the room and leave less for the Republicans. Yeah, and that that has everything to do with how things are framed, as we said, and messaged. And because we have, uh, like, the Republicans have nothing. They they are an anti or a policy party. They have nothing to offer. And yet... um, Unless you're rich and white. Well, and straight and quote-unquote Christian. Um, But I want to... I, just as a quick aside, because this is not the main subject of our conversation, but it's another example of what Daniel was, Daniel was talking about. Um, you know, part of the problem too is that, um, especially in in the aftermath of Dobbs, the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade and Casey v. Planned Parenthood, um, so much of it is is spoken about in, in the context of choice, which is a white feminist way of talking about this issue and it just does it's like barely scratches the surface of what really is at stake yes of course that's important but there is so much else that needs to be discussed uh that is impacted by that and democrats also fail to do that but getting back to um the generational issue i think yes part, part of the problem is that that and it's not because they're old; it's because they've been around so long that they seem to be stuck in this. In this, just as Joe Biden is uh, in this um, <laughs> idea that things still work the way they worked a couple of decades ago. Because <laughs> let's face it, Republican leadership is just as old. The differences are broken system favors Republicans. Like re- Republicans don't need to do anything uh, to win elections because. Everything is stacked against Democrats. Uh, so yeah, that's including part the of the problem. Um, but let's let's shift Jen to talking about Gen Z, because I think Gen Z is going to play an absolutely pivotal role. My daughter was born a month after September 11th. Uh, so that is her entire life. That's That's one bracket, and the rest of it is, you know, climate catastrophe, um, the horrific Donald administration, um, COVID, <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> that's it. So what's interesting is that she is not a political person, totally my fault. They're paying mm-hmm. attention to what's happening with this, this Supreme Court. And Jen, that seems like a slam Dunk. I mean, it's teed up for us to make that an issue that will bring in younger voters. We just need another what ten percent of Gen Z kids to vote. Sorry, they're not kids, but um, right. So, so how do we figure out a way to um, help people understand the gravity of that? So that, you know, even if they're not paying that much attention, they understand what it means to both men and women uh, who are 
Gen Z, millennials, I mean, all of us, but particularly those two generations, because along with black women, I can't think of a group of voters who have been less uh, or um, who have been more poorly served. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think they, you know, they know. The question is, how do we make the connection between them knowing what's broken and believing there's someone who also knows what's broken and wants to fix it and knowing that they you know so i would say it's got to be there's it's it's the place and it's the message they're not on this podcast right where meet people where they are and you know there's like what is it is it devry who is it there are people advertising on youtube you know in between youtube shows why don't the Democrats have little miniature ads there? First of all, you've got to find them where they are. Secondly, in terms of being super concrete, like where, you know, it's got to be the big message and the details. The big message is this is a freedom-hating, you know, voter-hating, power-grabbing, fascist party. And if you just want to say freedom-hating, that gets a lot under that umbrella. And then the specifics are... Dems introduced a bill to do this. Republicans voted against it. If we get two more in the Senate, we'll do it. Dems voted against this. Boom. But, okay, so there's like, you've got to be, it's got to be all the time. And there can be no fucking more people saying, my good friend this, my good friend that. Because it's all the Republicans who are are the party, the freedom-hating, voting-hating, party it's who they are i mean this is the mainstream now this is a party that wants to force children to give birth you know this is and what worries me is what danielle said which is you know she, i got the chills when she said you know this next generation isn't going to remember when abortion was legal because guess what our generation now doesn't remember when fucking free college tuition existed in my lifetime you could go to college in california now it's like everyone wants a pony no we want what existed under reagan's california before he ruined it and so like there is i envision everything should be directed in with the mind of a 16 to 30 year old all the people in video should be from that place should be diverse and it should be really clear that republicans are anti-freedom and that includes you know that includes issues around non-binary and trans stuff which is really important to young people it's about freedom of religion it's like be who you are that's who gen z and younger they just want to be who they are they just want to have a good life in every way and they want jobs that are meaningful to them all the stuff they want a good life and as daniel said you know they just it's been war and crisis yep. and hate around mass shootings because the connection my fear is the same thing you know if if the story is don't even bother democrats aren't any different right. you know what well that's not for those of us who want to awaken the democratic party stop joe biden from doing things like pointing uh, you know, pro pro force birth judges and stuff like that. What 
we're trying to say is don't fuck this up. It reminds me, well, I swear to God, the minute I knew Trump was going to win, I'm sorry, Donald was going to win, I remember where I was. I was in Washington, D.C., meeting with someone at some restaurant with a friend from Public Citizen, and we had just found out that Hillary was going to nominate Tim Kaine as her VP. And I said, oh, my God, it's too close. Don't fucking do that. And everyone, all the wise people say, oh, no, it doesn't matter who the VP is. And I'm like, this isn't normal. This isn't normal times. The world's changed. It really matters. And I knew she was going to lose them. And I'm and telling you, that, Jen, that's so interesting because it's the same thing now. I feel right. like I want to shout. Sorry, go ahead, Mary. I'll shut up now. No, 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 no. For, just, I'm just sorry to interrupt that. Just. It made me think of how I felt when Obama nominated Merrick Garland. I'm telling you, I could be wrong, but if he had nominated Ketanji Brown Jackson, I don't think people would have just sat on the sidelines and not cared so much that she wasn't getting a hearing. I'm sorry. I think we all would have been out in the streets. Merrick Garland, who fucking cares? Another middle-aged white guy? Please. And now, of course, he's attorney general, which is not working out well for us. So, Adam, as a younger, much younger Democratic strategist. Not that uh, young. Okay. I'm wearing a hat because I lost my hair. Marlardo. Yes. I found it over here. Being very young. (laughs) So, we... We have, I guess this is one of the things that frustrates me. And again, this is not about demoralizing anybody. This is about helping people understand kind of what we're up against because we're not up against uh, an electorate that's very well informed because Republicans don't want us to be, first of all. And there's so much going on. Like we're still in COVID for God's sakes and now monkeypox is taken over and whatever. And we have a media that will say, um, corporations own all of our the, media. The House passed this Amber Alert for active shooters. No, it didn't. The Democrats did. You know, so people don't even understand what what the nuts and bolts of that are, and and where the parties stand on these things. So, um, Adam, I want to just focus in on how to, I guess, ha- how to help people realize that this, as Jen said, this is not a normal, I can't tell you how many times I've said to people, we can't treat Joe Biden like a normal president who followed another, you know, sorry, a normal administration that followed a normal administration. Nothing could be further from the truth. Um, And I think by, by not constantly pointing that out, people act like it's a normal administration that just had the normal shit to deal with. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, great to be on with you, Danielle. I don't think I've been on anything with you yet, but I appreciate all you do. Um, yes, ditto. You know, as I was hearing you all talk about the uh, the 80-plus-year-olds, um, I was thinking back to when I first really got involved in national politics, and I'm old enough, I guess, now to remember when that same sort of uh, group of consultants or pundits said that Gavin Newsom was dead politically. Um for as long as they could ever see because he came out in support of gay marriage. And I think that sort of gets to the bottom of sort of where we are, which is we're a party that is, you know, uh, more or less, uh, you know, especially, you know, in, in recent history on the right side of history, but also often in a fight with ourselves. And yes, we're very progressive, but a lot of folks have taken a long time to uh, come to progress and, and get to that point. 
And I think that, you know, that's an example for me that sort of um, is a snapshot of where we are nationally, which is, you know, a lot of people would love to see Gavin Newsom run for president in 2024 and, and plenty of other people who are um, completely qualified. But I just use that because he was ahead on a number of issues early on. And um, there were people that are still very much running this party who thought that was it for him. And uh, when, in fact, he just was on the right side of history earlier than them. And those are all folks who got to that place. So um, I I think the point that Danielle hit on in terms of, um, you know, people hosting dinners and that's what, you know, even we could still say the height of COVID now, but even at the height of COVID, um, I think there were a lot of families throughout this country that were hoping it wasn't their week, their week to sort of host that dinner. And they wanted to, to go somewhere else and bring that one dish because they weren't in a position to, to do that. So I think the, the example you used, Mary, of, um, of your daughter, you know, who was born a month after September 11th and, you know, uh, for good reason, probably is not political. That's the, you're probably a great mom. My fault. No, it's I think you're a great mom. Uh, but, but it almost seems that our party sometimes is so broken that things have to get so bad for everybody to realize what's happening because our messaging is so terrible. And I think that's one of the things that's happened right now. I think we're insane for, you know, not, um, uh, I'm not saying that we're not, but the fact that Republicans said, oh, okay, well, we may be wrong that a, a 10 year old was raped, but we still want her to, to have a, have a baby. Um, and then, you know, uh, now we're going to investigate the, uh, the doctor. They're spending more time, all the time focused on a doctor as opposed to, uh, the crime that took place in this poor little girl. I think these are the things that we just need to highlight and, you know, um, you know, stop talking about the past, but we are, we are right now. And I think there are a lot of people that are waking up and, you know, as long as I can remember for the last, uh, two decades, I've always been told this is the most important election of our lifetime. This one might be the most important election of our lifetime. However, I think the last couple ones were incredibly important. And unfortunately, uh, we didn't get where, where we needed to. I saw a tweet the other day that I thought was, was clever. Someone said, uh, they're saying that if I want to change the Supreme Court, all I need to do is vote. When are the next Supreme Court elections? And it's true. It's like there are. Um, but here we are. And something's got to give. Well, you, Adam, you know, you, you point out something. And, and Mary, you said it. And Jen. And, and, and we're all dancing around it. There was a great article I read. I think it was a Pew study. I don't remember. But it was within the last month that said today's children have diminished expectations for their future. In other words, we all grew up, our parents always wanted us to do better than they did. Mm -hmm. And there was the expectation that we would. Today's kid- Brian, not to cut you off, but that was when I I first started working for Hillary at 17. It was because in high school, I saw her on C-SPAN say, I want to leave this country in a better place for the yes. next generation than my generation found. And that's what, the, and that's what we've, you know, I, I saw today, we went and voted, they give you the little sticker, I voted today, and I saw young, well, there was a line, and there were first-time voters, and I asked them, you know, I, I, there was one kid that was 23 years old who was working, you know, at the poll, and that gave me some hope. If you're going to change any of this, you've got the only way to have better expectations for the future is to be involved. If there's anything our generation has done poorly, I think it's it's letting people know that, you know, I know football practice is important. you got to get to soccer practice and you got to get here at dentist's office. But guess what, folks? Everybody needs paved streets. They need lights turned on. They, they need to be able to live in, in peace and comfort. And those things matter in local and state and federal elections. And but yeah, that, I, that know, connection is missing. 
I think that the problem here too is that you know we are for the first time going to be presenting a generation with a world that is far worse than any of us any of their parents or their grandparents have ever seen and by virtue of that but i mean by virtue of that they have they have less rights they're living in their parents basements a hell of a lot longer than any of us than any of us did climate catastrophe you see that you know the average apartment to rent in new york city right now one bedroom is four thousand dollars a month well, you know, that was not the case when many of us graduated from college, when many of us were entering into the workforce, right? There was a- My mom and dad didn't spend that for their first house. They did right. not spend that for so, so, But the reality is, is that all of those tales that we have for this generation is in fact a fairy tale. They're like, show, show, me, show me where the reality is and how you have, by virtue of either not voting or voting for the wrong people, eroded our ability to- to aspire to the American dream. And we have a real pivotal moment right now because Generation Z is at a moment where they're either gonna opt all the way in and turn and spin all of our heads or they're gonna opt all the way out and right. say, fuck well, that'll spin our heads too. Fuck it to, you know, to all of these places that don't do anything for me. I don't need to show up because you make everything worse. And so they're at a pivotal moment on a cliff right now where they're, they need to be activated. But what's being told to them, they're being incredibly ignored, right? Because Democratic establishment also says, well, you know, when it comes to turnout, they don't turn out. Well, why don't they turn out? Because y'all don't engage them, right? And Jen said something that is just, just basic, basic media strategy. Oh, I have an idea. Run ads where they look. On right? apps. So that, so that looks at Utah, YouTube, it looks like TikTok. It looks like Instagram. It looks like everywhere where the younger demographics are. And so, you know, you can't just invite a TikTok star to the White House, which is what the Biden administration has done, and think like, oh, I got them. Now they'll get vaccinated. It's like, hello, can we get some follow-up and can we get some thoughtfulness and strategy around what it is that they want to be engaged around? And the last thing I'll say is that the issues that matter to them are issues about their autonomy as people, the ability to show up how I want to show up and still be received with dignity and respect. So if, if I am a BIPOC, black indigenous person of color, if I am queer, if I am trans, if I am non-binary, I want to know that by virtue of me showing up that I don't have to conform. Dignity Isn't and respect that what is gonna be given. Isn't you know this yeah, is what happens. It's not, not really, not really, because you're part of a generation. No, we're part of a generation that assimilated. We're part of a generation, because I'm part of that generation, that felt the need to assimilate to heteronormativity in order to be accepted, that also assimilated in terms of how you show up, how you dress, all of these things. And what they're saying is that we're not going to assimilate. We actually Wait. want things to shift. Right. I just, I just want to point something out. I want to point something out. Um, Adam, you said that the Democratic Party is broken. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to frame it a little differently. It's incredibly diverse because let's let's put it this way as the republican party has become smaller in terms of the people it's trying to appeal to the democratic party has had to create a, a larger umbrella so we have so many more people with differences that we're trying to um bring in right and I think that one of the challenges is Democrats try, 
right? And and the criticism is they don't go far enough. They don't go as far as we want them to. They're not messaging properly. Um, they they're they're missing the boat on really fundamental issues of um, identity and what jobs means for people, right? But on the other hand, the Republicans only have to cater to a bunch of fucking people who hate American democracy, who hate difference, and will be perfectly happy with having their rights taken away as long as as long as the people they hate are suppressed even more. Like it's you know, it's like asymmetrical warfare. Like the they point that have... you made early, early on about how it's basically stacked against Democrats, you know, look no further than Virginia, right? right? Republicans literally did nothing in terms of going door to door. The one thing they did do was lie. So when we say, like, they have to do nothing, the only thing they have to do is lie. And they did right. that, and they did it really well. And the Democrats didn't listen to people like Rachel Vimmen, who were saying, you know, right. in August, hey, this is an issue. These people are showing up in schools. They're lying about this, um, and so much of the stuff is is right there out in the open, and we just don't listen to people. Right, and and I think Jen, what happens is, you know, because we're so diverse, um, Democrats, it you know, leadership, elected Democrats, try to negotiate when the Democratic base is saying, no, no, no. You don't negotiate with somebody's identity. You don't negotiate with somebody's bodily autonomy. You don't negotiate with somebody's ability to choose or not to choose to raise a family and their ability to raise a family with dignity and with resources, right? You don't do those things. Republicans don't have to negotiate with anything because, again, their base is like practically monolithic at this point. They're these pro-authoritarian, pro-fascist, as long as you hate women, children, people of color, and democracy, do whatever you want. You know, don't give us health care. It's kind of insane, um, but this is sort of where we are. My point being... No, no, just my, my point being that the Democratic base expects a substantive change and the republican base just expects hey keep feeding our hatred we're cool right Jen? and yeah and you know i just and for some reason i'm i've been reverting back to the very early 1970s maybe it's because i'm remembering pieces of my childhood or the or that's right jen Jen just bought a pair of white go-go boots Awesome. 68, 1968. Although we're behind the times in Michigan, so that was more like 72, but okay. And so like yeah. with the rose glasses, it's like Austin Powers. Yeah. Okay. God, I'm older than all of you. Jesus. You are. Sorry. Okay. But not as old as James Carville. That's it. Sorry, Jen. Go ahead. You remember the 1971 ad for Pepsi. I like the, I like the world. world. This one was Coca-Cola. Perfect. It was oh, what? Okay, fine. Whatever. Better, but it was a co-commercial. But there was a time, as naive as it sounded, I mean, there was something about the 70s when people were talking about, still talking about freedom, you know, still thinking about the possibilities for 
He still wants the. You, you, yes. We have destroyed local media, so we don't find things we have in common. The only time we come together is at a national forum where we oppose one another. And the Republicans don't care. The Democrats, who do have that big, they, they do have the big tent. But they are so they're so ingrained. The fighting, the infighting, is so ingrained that we don't ever reach out and find out we have more in common than we have different. But but again, other. again, it's I I I'm going to suggest that it's not infighting so much as diversity. You know, we're always banging up against our differences because you know that's a good thing. It's of course it's a good thing, but what I'm what I would say is that you know the guy who yeah he wants roads and he wants his garbage picked up, but he also believes that how he identifies is how everybody should identify. Everybody what? should conform. Now that's tough. Tough shit for him. <laughs> but, but that's what I'm saying. This is not. We're not. A, it's not. A, one of the biggest problems we've had is that historically it's a melting pot. A melting pot suggests that we all have to become the same. And I don't think so. That is, that's exactly so. what it is. We all melt. I think it means that we, we look. It's we you know what, you don't it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It, okay. it's, it's like just, my point is that it's it's more like we're just like a mix out. And, and, you know, so yeah, everybody, gets to, everybody gets to maintain their okay. identity. Look at what mix out. I like that. It, is, it's a terrible analogy, but you know, I'm tired. It's been a real long week. But basically, one of the other issues um, is that everything that's been happening in the last few years benefits the side of um, uniformity and authoritarianism. You know, the best way to keep authoritarians in power is to have a global pandemic, right? So, and this is this is for people watching because, again, this is not about demoralizing. It's it's about contextualizing and helping us, helping all of us understand what we're fighting against. We're not just fighting against structural uh, inequality uh, that always seems to favor Republicans. We're not just fighting against the fact that because the Republicans are almost entirely monolith at this point, and the Republic, uh, sorry, Democrats have have to be much more accommodating. We're fighting against uh, ish, global issues that that also, by the way, now include inflation and high prices and high gas prices because the media do a horrific job of explaining to people what that means. Um, you know. We are at a disadvantage, which is why we need our leaders to fight for us, even if it's a losing battle. People just, especially the base, which is why I hope that woman was fired immediately. That was despicable. Our base needs to be emboldened and, and propped up, not demoralized, right? Just same thing with Gen Z. So, um, I want to, you know, we're going to wrap up soon, but, um, before I get to my last question to you guys, I just, I just want to get your final thoughts on, you know, what you see as the best way to, um, help our viewers and other, other Democrats who, uh, you know, are having a difficult time 
grappling with because let's be real again how much have we had to deal with in the last four years especially the last two it has been overwhelming it's almost unimaginable right so how do we keep people engaged um energized and and how do we help them you know stay uh, or, sorry, how do we keep them from feeling demoralized? Let's start, I'll start with you, Danielle. I'm oh, sorry, I'll start with Jen and then Danielle. Oh, sorry. But yeah, I mean, so one thing you is... raise your hand. <laughs> it's concrete. Here's the concrete thing. Why is there not a ban on my computer telling me when the primary is in my state? I don't even know. I mean, I should know. When is my primary? And some states have the state different from the federal. When's my primary... When is the November? What's the exact date of the November election? And am I? And where can I check to make sure I'm still registered? Where is that? Why isn't that? Why isn't that? So like, sometimes engagement is like, okay, fine, I'll try the damn Popeyes chicken sandwich because everyone's talking about it. Like, in other words, where is it? And by the way, there is a Popeyes where there used to be a KFC in my town. I don't eat. I'm a vegetarian, so I can't have a <laughs> The point is, we we get all this advertising flooded at us about stuff we don't even care about. We can sing jingles. So when you say engagement, part of it is, where is that thing? Where is the reminder constantly? What, uh, there are tons of people who have no idea, like me now, what is the exact date of my primary? I don't even know. Is it September? Is it August? I should know that. But and that I, could be billboards, right? That could just be a friggin' billboard in your town. Drive. Kids don't drive these days. Anyway, so where is it? Where is well, the app? Where is the like? Where's the if you download this app? I mean, you can pay people not for voting, but you could pay people to download an app to see if they're registered. That will then send them messages right. reminding them when the election is. Why are we pushing stuff out to people like that? Anyway, so I know that's not substantive engagement, but I'm just talking about. If you, the moment someone's like, I think I want to vote, if they know when it is, it's in their calendar. Well, it's it's structural. It's structural. Like, there needs to be a better infrastructure in terms of keeping people informed. Um, right? And have, have a voting buddy who's virtual. Like, Danielle could be my virtual mm-hmm. voting buddy who's like, Jen, this is who I'm voting for. I'd be like, hi, Danielle. Like, you know, we can figure this out. Anyway, I'll shut up. So, stop that. No, don't don't no it was up. good. I, like I don't know why, but for a minute that reminded me of the, the Nader Trader. Remember that? Where you like, yep. were in one state and you could swap votes? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ralph Winner. Yeah, give me flashbacks. Okay, Danielle. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say this, that I think that what we, what Generation Z and just people in general need from this administration is one, to connect the fucking dots, which is not that difficult to do, um, to tell us who the enemy is, and the enemy can't also be your friend, right? And so when we have these conversations about my colleague from across the aisle or rational Republicans, well, you're not identifying the enemy for me. So then how am I supposed to decipher between what it is that you're offering me and what they're offering? That's number one. Number two, people need to feel a shared sense of rage right now. What is happening is absolutely fucking insane. And we have an administration that continues yeah. to like act as if all is normal, right? Like like everything is okay. And I'm just like, all you have to do is open up a front door. You don't need to even go on cable news, right? All you have to do is open up your front door. So share rage with people. Let them know that you see and feel all of the things that are happening alongside them. And that as part of that shared rage, like we need to activate. We need to channel it into action. 
right? But if you keep telling me that all is fucking well, right? right? And I know that I can't fill up my gas tank, put medicine in my medicine cabinet, and put food on the table at the same fucking trip, then yeah. like, that's a problem, right? But you want to tell yeah. me who you're giving a medal of freedom to. I don't give a fuck, right? right? Like what I care about is the sense of urgency that now they're showing with HHS in terms of what they're activating around, you know, pushing back against these states that have triggered their abortion bans. I needed that when the draft came out. So I think that, you know, what people need is activation. And how do they feel activated? They know that people are fighting for them. And why are they fighting? Because I'm mad as hell. And I'm not going to allow this party that is no longer a party but a corrupt cult to take over our democracy, and neither should you. And I want to hear that every fucking day. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I think <laughs> pretending that everything I, – I, I don't know. I'm speculating. But the uh, tendency – to act as if everything is just fine is meant as a way to calm people down because, again, it's been a horrible few years, right? But that is exactly the last thing they should be doing because it is a five-alarm emergency. And when Biden refers to Mitch McConnell, the greatest traitor to this country since Robert E. Lee, as a good friend and an honorable man, and when Justice Sonia Sotomayor tries to tell us that Clarence fucking Thomas is a good guy, it demoralizes us. Because it's we know neither of those things is true, and it makes us feel like, well, if that's really what they think, then they can't possibly be fighting for us. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Adam? Um... I agree with everything that everyone said, and I, I wish I could say it as passionately. Um, I'll just give a hat tip to Mary. I think, you know, Mary's gotten more and more involved politically, and um, yeah. any, anywhere that I've been able that, to help, um, I've always, I've always said yes. Marry. I think our party uh, spends a lot of time getting to know, and one of the things Mary said to me recently is, you know, if people want to get involved, they want to do something. What can they do? She recently started um, Democracy Defense Fund. And, um, you know, Mary and, and her team are working hard to put something together to give the folks that are tuning in now and asking these same questions a way to, to do stuff week by week, whether it's, you know, organizations like uh, Sister District and others, these local organizations that don't get a, a light shined on them, not, not recreating the wheel. Um, and so I, if you build it, they will come. But I think Mary is not recreating the wheel. My, my focus this cycle is going to be to do, lift up the stuff that she's doing and try to give people an opportunity to get involved where they haven't been able to find it. Well, I, Adam, I couldn't have done it out without you. So um, it's been great working with you. Yeah, same here. And and let's just keep going, uh, Brian. Well, I, I I'll, I'll push a little different in a little different direction. I don't think it's about as is your want. <laughs> yeah, I, I do that. But I think we have. I think this country is better than either one of our political parties, which I've often said is party of one is a party of no heart and one is a party of no head it's not about enemies it, it, it's a it, and it, it is insane but we did it we became disenfranchised and we allowed people that you wouldn't you would not vote or you would not make your friends you wouldn't invite them to your barbecue in your backyard we've allowed them to go into office and they have changed They've gerrymandered districts. They've created a system because we let them in and didn't vet them properly. We let these people in, and they're changing the system so the minority stays in charge. It's that's Your responsibility is to vote. Your responsibility is to do more than vote. 
Your responsibility is to be involved on a daily basis with a democracy, you know, government of, by, and for the people. We used to be a, a country that said, look, I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to death your right to say it. Today, on both extremes, we have people telling us, I disagree with what you say, so you must die. Look, I don't like the guy next door who's going to advocate something at the top of his lungs that I would vehemently stand against and speak against at the top of mine. But you can hate me. You can't act on your hate. And we've got to rein that back in. And the only way to do that is to become active in politics. Jen made a couple of really great suggestions. I get on my phone. I've got an app that I'm playing some game, SimCity or whatever, or, or a word game, and it breaks every 30 seconds to give me a damn uh, a commercial from a Republican running for office. I don't see any of the Democrats. I mean, where the hell are they? Where the hell are they? Where the people are is where they need to go. And, man, I'll tell you, at the end of the day, you're going to win more people over by telling them, look, we're all in this together. Let's row together. I, you know, we're got, no one's going to agree 100% on everything. But by God, if you can't agree in universal health care, a woman's right to choose, if you can't start there and, and uh, look, if you came to me and said, uh, I want to marry my whisk room, I'd say Mazel Tov. It's none of my business. I don't care. What, how you decide to live your life, that, those things that are personal, we have to agree that you have personal space. And the rest of us, we need to work together to bring, you know, to get the things that we need in life instead of fighting one another and, and ending up where we are now. Now, I know some of that sounds Pollyannish, but I'll just close by saying if we don't move in that direction, you know, it's the, the, the Kentucky state motto, united we stand, divided we fall. If we don't come together, we will fall. Yeah, I love to hear you say that because as this white cis guy, you said it in a way that could be persuasive to people of your ilk. Minority. I, no, but I, I mean, hope. no, you know, but I mean, like, <laughs> what I'm saying I'm is. It's an old Lebanese fart. What do I know? I mean, you say it yeah. like, what do you call about personal space? I mean, you say it in a way that just seems logical where some, you know, guy at the bar could get it. Go out there. Go bar yeah. to bar and proselytize, Brian. Yeah. The, the Brian Karam tour. <laughs> I write a column and piss everybody off. That's what I do. psychotic oh. bags into office, right? So, and this is the other problem. Not and the media do this all the time. Well, okay, but that's a different... Let's talk about that next week. The One of the biggest problems we have that, again, of course, disadvantages Democrats is that in the media, they talk, to, they talk about the Republican base and they talk about the Democratic base as if these are equal but opposite things, right? No, 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 no. No, the Democratic base is a bunch of predominantly black women, people of color, college-educated, blah, blah, blah. And what do we want? We want universal health care. We want racial justice. We want reproductive justice. We want everybody to have a living wage and free college and on and on and on, right? The Republican base is a bunch of fucking white supremacist fascists who want women to have no rights, who want our children to be slaughtered by 
weapons of war in their schools, who hate American democracy, who hate mm-hmm. diversity. So for fuck's sake, if we talk about these two things, like, you know, they're the same, they're just on different sides of things, then that also disadvantages us. Absolutely. And that also has to stop. So I'm going to stop yeah. ranting. My last question, because Jesus Christ, like, it feels like every week... <laughs> It's just worse, or like more. I don't know. More news. More hour by a, hour. The proverbial <laughs> the fire hose happens. of news, like pointed right at our faces. So, just to take things down a notch, I just want to ask you guys if you can recommend something. Like, what what recently is something that's given you joy that we can share with other people to kind of just, you know, help us calm down and and like. Just knock everything out. Well, hey, if that's your jam, it's not mine. But no, seriously, so uh, Adam, what's something that you would recommend that's that's just sort of helped, like helped you just chill? Whether it's a book, a movie, a TV show, um, a cocktail. I don't know. Um, a bunch of you probably read this, but I just started reading the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Oh, I've heard of it. My whole life. <laughs> Oh, it's something I'm terrible at doing. So I need to start not giving a fuck. Okay, I love that. I'm going to get it immediately. Uh, Brian? Well, let's see. The drink would be bourbon. Uh, my wife and I have been uh, binge-watching Stranger Things to catch up with the kids so we can talk about that. And then I've been reading H.L. Mencken, uh, A Treatise of the Gods, talking about how religion is fiction. And that was 100 years ago. And by the way, he nailed Donald Trump. He said, an honest an honest politician under democracy is quite as unthinkable as an honest burglar. They are a stand front <laughs> in everything rational in our culture. They should have their uh, compensation reduced to nothing and their power reduced to an irreducible minimum. So uh, I, I've been reading that for, for, for just to let me know, to remind me that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Lucy uh, change. Uh, Danielle. Um, so I like uh, to escape these days. Uh, so I read uh, African Futurism, and I'm obsessed with the author Nidhi Okafor. Uh, and I just finished the third installment in her series, uh, the Akata series, uh, A-K-A-T-A. Um, and it's wonderful. All of her protagonists are young uh, black girls, uh, largely Nigerian. Uh, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um you know, to take to take yourself out of this world. And okay, so it's so, escapist. It is. It's escape, it's, but it's not. It's not all. Let's just say the future ain't all roses and sunshine either. But at least you know we're talking. We're looking at Unicorns buildings that are made of baby. plants, right? You know, <laughs> buildings made of plants, and you know, people doing incredible things. So I, I encourage people: African futurism, um, sci-fi. You know, it's yeah. a way to way to get off this planet and someplace else for a little bit. Nice. Oh, and, bur- and bourbon. I, I actually there you go. Bourbon and read my book. Oh, hey, Danielle, man, bourbon and sci-fi. <laughs> there you it's go. It's a good combo. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jen? You're muted. Yeah, so I've been getting into... Sometimes it's nonfiction related to something I'm writing. And what that allows me to do is actually move around. So, like, I, my, one of my favorite things to do is to tackle straightening up 
the mess that my house is. I mean, we clean our own house. Like, there's no one to help me do that. And we clean or we don't clean. And so if I turn on a, a if I get it, listen to an audible book, it's going to be 13 or 15 hours. And I 